Hello, welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. It's Michael here with y'all, bringing you another episode of the Freeloader series. This is episode number nine. The original BTK, Billy the Kid. I know what you're thinking. Ah, oh, it's Wild West, not going to be any murder, not going to be any creepy stuff that might or might not keep me up at night, you know? This isn't really going to make me that paranoid. Yeah, probably true, but it will make you laugh. This is one of the most fun cases I think we ever covered. I had a blast recording this. Um, I know Lauren did as well, and it turned out to be one of our favorite episodes overall. There's so much more to Billy the Kid than what we thought, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy it as well. I I think our fun kind of shines in this one. I was listening back to some, and uh, it just put a smile on my face. But guys, this episode is from back in April of 2018, so hope you guys enjoy it. I'll see you on the other side. Keep creeping. We're finally getting around to it, guys. Finally get around to it. <laughs> I know you've been hounding us for a <laughs> long time to do BTK. B- Dude, we already did. BTK? BTK. Okay, so you don't know what number Patreon we're on. Now you don't know what topic we're doing. We haven't done that one, I'm going to need we? you to step up. BTK? BTK, yeah. The ori- we're doing the original BTK, guys. Which, what did you study for this week? <laughs> what did you- <laughs> I, I don't know. We're going to find out. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the same thing you did. Okay. This should be interesting. All right. Well, let's just get into it. Enough. All right. Maybe I'm trying to get some attention. Maybe I'm trying to get President Hayes to look this way. They'll let Murphy and his bankers get away with anything, and I can't allow that. The more bastards I dust, the more news stories they write. The more troops they send after us, the more President Hayes is going to have to raise an eyebrow come down and see for himself what's going on here. Then I'll find out who's really doing the killing. Lincoln County War is over. We just want to get out of here. Get down below. Oh, you get down below, all right, Doc. You get down below. You're Billy the Kid, too, you know. You all are. Dirty little Billy bastards. All right, guys. Long awaited. We're actually a week late on our Patreon this, this week, I've noticed. Yeah. Usually we do it once every fourth week, right? Yeah, we try to do once it around month, the first. Right around so the first. We're just a little late. A little late. What is it, the seventh or something? But I think we'll make up for it with pizzazz today. Yeah. yeah. We alluded to it being BTK. By that, if you haven't figured it out yet, I meant Billy the Kid. Oh. <laughs> Not buying yeah. Torture Kill. We've Thank already done Gosh, you got that me. weirdo. You got me, even though I titled this. This is a much more it. much more likable character. Yeah. That we're doing this week. We, Hell we, yeah. We don't have to joke at his expense as much. We, I mean, he he killed for sure. He did some crimes. He did a lot of crimes. Yeah. Not all were just, but no, the ba- uh, the worst ones were just, I would say. Definitely. He did a lot his of hand, horse thieving. His hand was <laughs> A lot forced. of horse thieving that wasn't really his hand forced. He's yeah. just doing that for fun and money. But what other choice does he have at this point? Who's going to hire an outlaw? You we'll get I mean? into that. We'll get into it. We're going to jump too far ahead, okay. but there's a lot of horse thievery going on. A lot of thievery in general. Yeah, a lot of thievery. But I mean, times were different. You know what I mean? I'm going to talk with a, a, an accent. Are too. you? Yeah, we're going to go Southwest. Our, You're our from Hickish. the Southwest, Lauren. You can do it. I am, man. I'm you got to get into your roots. Almost, well, not far from. The Southwest is a little bit different than Southern accents. All I know is the desert. I'll do the Louisiana guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think he South? has like two lines in the whole freaking thing. 
And no, he, he's yeah. uh, his infancy and like his younger years were uh, northeast New York. So yeah. we can even do a little bit of that. Well, see, he's just tough all around. But then again, did they have that New York accent back back then? No, they didn't because it was all immigrants in New York. It was well, a five points. He grew up in an Irish community. Yeah, so. he grew up in the five points. If I'll you know, let Bill you the Butcher. Yeah. <laughs> Bill the Butcher, Gangs of New York. That's nice. Right. That but I mean, let, once again, jumping ahead yeah. too far. But right, right. Just thoughts on Billy the Kid, Billy the Kid, and studying him. And I, I really ultimately, like we talked about, we alluded to in our last episode that I wanted to just do a great book mm-hmm. and a fun case. And we like to mix it up on Patreon and do it a little bit different. Maybe yeah. not just the sad crime stuff, but more right, right. fun crime stuff. This is interesting. You learn a lot. It's a little bit of a history lesson. It was absolutely. I didn't really know yeah. that much about Billy the Kid. Obviously, I've seen the movie Young Guns where Emilio Estevez portrays him. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's exaggerated. I didn't think that was, I, I like Emilio, don't get me wrong. Emilio! <laughs> I love him, but I don't know if he was right for, I mean, he. Did, I guess he did a good, good enough job, but I just feel like, I don't know, I picture Billy a little bit different after studying him. Do you, who would you have casted? I don't know. I was trying to figure that out, but I don't think, I think uh, Emilio was a little too hearty, a little too, like, kind of like intimidating, like of a figure, not not that if you saw him in person, he would be, but on, on the yeah. screen, you know, after seeing him play the jock in uh, Breakfast Club and all that stuff, I just pick him, picture him as a more able body person than Billy yeah. was. Billy depended on his shooting, man. He was a little yeah. dainty kid. You know who would be a pretty badass, uh, Billy? Who? Jesse from Breaking Bad. Uh, Aaron. I could kind of see that. He I could, could kind of see that. Yeah. 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 Kind of a small frame, thin frame, but kind of a charismatic character. Right. He yeah. could do it. He could do it. Yeah. So yeah, Billy the Kid, I mean, obviously he's one of the more infamous, notorious gunslingers from the Wild West. Um, and he's kind of looked more in a in a fawn light. Especially in the Mexican communities. Oh, I didn't for realize, sure. He was man. like he was like their savior. He was a voice for them. He was he, he was, was like a, a hero. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was more of a vigilante, more like a Robin Hood type guy for them. Voice for the downtrodden. He was fighting the the Empire in a sense. It was almost like like Star Wars, like you know the the the, yeah. the dark side with the it was because there was a lot of dirty cops, a lot of Vader, dirty politicians. Except for Darth Vader was a rich Irishman. Get me my potatoes. I am your father. I'm your father. I'm your father, buddy. Oh my god! I saw a funny tweet about Darth Vader. Somebody tweeted out that. Uh, if you think about it, it sounds like he was getting a blowjob all the time when he's talking. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and I'm the force no choke father. is a climax. <laughs> <laughs> are we taking it too far? Yeah, we are. Okay. And okay. we're getting off track already. So yeah. Billy the Kid, um, he was born William Henry McCarty Jr. on November 23rd, 1859 in New York City. New York City. Obviously the, the child of immigrants. Mm-hmm. His mother um, came over from Ireland. She was Irish. Right. Yes, that would be the conclusion. <laughs> As was the man that she met, um, that she uh, ended up having William with. Right. Um, now, if you look into like Wikipedia, you look at your just basic documentaries on YouTube and stuff, there were some good ones. We yeah. uh, used a really good book to study we should talk about real quick. Absolutely. Um, the book was called The Kid by Ron Hansen. And it was read by the, we got to give this guy props because if you do, Dude, aud- if you oh do audible, God, guys. if you do audible and you do audio books, you listen to podcasts, you're already one step away. Right. Give this book a chance. And uh, the audio form was fantastic because it was read by Mark Bramhall and the guy did a God. phenomenal oh, job. The dude. Oh, he's just, he did it. He nailed it. He did. He had the, the he had the Western voice, the Western voice. And then like his normal voice sounded pretty Western already. Right. Like a wise narrator. And then but, he could do Western accents. But a big and, part of reading these books is that you have all these different characters and you have to do a voice yeah. for all of them. And it was always clear who he was right. 
portraying. If there There's, was a female, he would do yeah. a good like Hispanic female voice. Very, yeah, very good. I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. He could do the Irish accent. He could do the British accent for the few Englishmen that were in there. And it helps you really just good. really get into it all the more. It's almost like yeah. a, you're watching a movie, but there's no you're not actually watching it. You're just listening. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's phenomenally done. It was really well researched. It was ten hours and forty five minutes in audio form. It was unabridged. There is plenty of facts in that book you're not gonna find anywhere else. And you're not gonna hear in this case because we don't have time. It's there's yeah. a lot of interactions. Granted, a lot of it was I think he as a lot of um writers do, the writer yeah. Ron Hansen, he added in some pizzazz, you know, some you know, like Well yeah. You, you there's no way you could have a transcript of every conversation Billy ever had. So he kind of, you know, he probably improvised. Yeah, embellished a, a little bit here and there, but at the yeah. same time, there was plenty of factual stuff to keep it on track. So Right. But yeah, really well done. And then we watched a PBS documentary on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was called, but it was about Billy the Kid. Uh, it was really on, well done as well. It's also on Amazon. If you go on if you have Amazon Prime or whatever, yeah. uh, you can watch it. Just type in Billy the Kid and it's uh it's actually a show put out by PBS and they do multiple they do like different episodes on different important historical figures, uh-huh. but the very first one is Billy the Kid. Okay. And it's on there too. I'm pretty sure that's the same one that you watched. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, about like most places you look, there's not a lot on his childhood. They kind of skip over like his early, yeah, early childhood. Yeah, yeah. And like even the PBS documentary was like, don't, we don't really, no one really knows who his father was and, or how he died. But yeah. this book, The Kid yeah. by Ron Hansen, it appears that he knew and did enough research or whatever, yeah. because um, basically when his mother, Catherine, fled from Ireland to the U.S. to avoid her overbearing parents, she fell in love or she fell in with a rough uh, group of Irish immigrants in the slums. The five points that were depicted in uh, the movie Gangs of New York. Right. That five, it was a very rough area where all the Irish immigrants were coming in. And then you had um, people that were Amer- now American uh citizens that were living there, like Bill the Butcher in, that, in the movie that were kind of battling. There's all these it was. Yeah, everybody getting killed. It was just chaos. That's right. that's his. That's where he, that's his where young <laughs> years. That's where his mom was living. She she uh, was working at a laundry and married Irish dock worker Michael McCarty, and that was who Billy the Kid's father was. Now we're going right. to refer to him as Billy the Kid, even though um, throughout his life he changed his aliases all the time. Yeah, he did. From infancy, he was known as William Henry McCarty. Um, however, you know, as it goes on, because his mother ends up getting with a different guy, basically what happens is his father, Michael McCarty, um, signs up to fight in the, uh, civil war. Right. And ends up getting shot and killed on the battlefield. And so he's fatherless from a very young age. But before that, they had two kids, Catherine and Michael had Joseph Edward, Josie McCarty, which was, um, Billy's older brother. Right. Josie, um, and Catherine uh, failed to get birth certificates for either boy. So yeah, there's, you know, yeah. debate on the exact right, right. birth dates and all that stuff and names and whatnot. But after much, uh, much uh, research into this, this historical figure, people have kind of put things together. Right, right. <clears throat> but like we said, Michael, his father, joined the Irish Volunteers during the Civil War and died of a gunshot, gunshot wound in the Battle of Chickamauga in 1863. Catherine, now a widow, moved the, moved with the boys to Indianapolis, where Michael's family was living at the time. So that's part of why she she decided to leave the Five Points right. and head west, which was something a lot of people were doing at the time. They kind of um, Billy's mom just kept kind of moving them west as yeah. you go through the story of this part was left until out. they ended up in the Southwest, where he would stay. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is left out. Uh, yeah, like the documentaries and stuff. Like even some most documentaries will have the fact he was born in New York, but they skip all this moving westward. Yeah, they just they, they jump right to New Mexico, lands in New Mexico, and that's yeah. it. But yeah, I mean he he was actually and he was the original 
BTK. <laughs> Technically. BTK. <laughs> Of in Wichita, Wichita, right? because yeah. they end up in Wichita, Kansas, not long after this. So they, that's right. But they moved to uh, take that, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> While she was in Indianapolis, um, hanging out with her her um, ex husband, you know, deceased husband's family, she ends up working and meeting a man named Henry Antrim. He was twenty three years old at the time, and she was thirty six, a much younger guy. He was actually um, uh, already a veteran of the Civil War. He he made it out. Right. And he was an easygoing man. He liked to drink, however. And one thing that changed um, young Billy's name was the fact that Henry demanded the boys call him Uncle Billy, even though his name was Henry as well. Yeah, that was kind of confusing. It gets confusing because it's yeah. almost like Billy's name flips because of his stepfather, and his stepfather's name flips from his real name. So he's being called Billy, the, the stepfather. And yeah. and young Billy, he's been being called um, Billy, because his name was William, he's already being called Billy. He has to switch to now going to his middle name and being called Henry for a while. But we're just going to call him Billy all the way through, okay? Right. <laughs> and his stepfather's you know fucking what? Henry, okay? Yeah, fuck, fuck off. that guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> that guy You're only not... known because of, of your fucking stepson. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a lot of characters in this that were only known because they <laughs> oh, happen to know Billy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, um, he demanded that he be called Uncle Billy, but we're going to call him Henry. Anyways, um, so, yeah, she gets with him, and in 1870... Catherine decided to leave Antrim and head west uh, to Wichita, Kansas after hearing fortunes were being made there. It was a frontier cattle town at the time. A lot of money being made on cattle and horses during this time. That's kind of like one of the major commodities that there are. Obviously, silver and gold would be getting found as well, which is another reason why they move again. Um, But yeah, she moves to Wichita, Kansas, and she leaves behind uh, Uncle Billy or Henry. Yeah. Good riddance. Not for long, because he follows <laughs> along like a puppy dog. Oh, damn it. Um, yeah. There were no schools in Wichita at the time, so Catherine taught the boys everything she knew. Um, but however, she was, she was pretty intelligent, though. She was. Yeah. yeah she, she was very savvy. She was very likable. She yeah. had a lot of charisma. She kind of made her way everywhere she went, and that's, I think, a big reason why. I think Billy took after her a lot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think I think, I think that's why he was so fond of her throughout his whole life. They were very much alike and much more than his older brother, Josie, seemed to not take after her as much. He had some... Um, he had some Billy, Young Billy was very, me. very savvy and smart. Like He was just talented in general, yeah. which we'll get to. But Josie wasn't, though. Josie didn't get as much of that. Josie had some mental limitations, and yeah. she struggled to teach Josie as easily as Billy. Billy picked right. him on things real quick. Josie was still just barely above literate, yeah. even after all of her teachings. And then Billy took to, he could write, he could write letters. He could, um, he even started picking up on other languages. He could yeah. you know, just, you'll be- see his many talents. Right. He became fluent in Spanish. Not, yeah. Yeah. Later on. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so yeah, they're living in Wichita for a brief time and, uh, Henry follows up with them. Um, Billy, as we alluded to, with all of his talents, he could write letters, do arithmetic, read books, do poetry, and even becomes a good dancer at a certain point, which would help him get a lot of um, love <laughs> down in Me- yeah. down in uh, New Mexico with the large Hispanic, Hispanic um, population. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because they do a lot of dancing. I was just, while you were reading that list, I was thinking how unimpressive that is today. I was like, like, oh, like, just to do basic stuff? <laughs> like, Like, this is like... This is standout shit right here. Writing letters, arithmetic, reading books and poetry. But now it's like, well, when there's no schools in a lot of towns, no public schools <laughs> yeah. in a lot of towns. I'm just, I'm just saying it's crazy to. Yeah, it's a brand new country. There's not, there's not roads. There's not. I mean, in large parts, there's not much of anything. Very little law. Like this is a crazy time he's growing up in. Dude, this wasn't even really that long ago when you think about it. 
Yeah, was two hundred years ago, or maybe less than like one hundred fifty years ago, somewhere around. Yeah, one hundred fifty years ago. Yeah, that's like, really not that far when you think of it. one and a half generations. Not even yeah. one and a quarter generations. Like your your great grandparents pretty much grew up in this. Yeah, my great grandfather I know for a fact was born in nineteen twelve. Uh huh. And so my regular grandmother's ninety. She was born in, in uh, I want to say the twenties. So I so, mean, her yeah. parents for sure, like were yeah. were well into exactly. This. Yeah, it's it's nuts. They most of our great grandparents were immigrants. If you're an American, you know, like it's oh yeah, it's of a country of immigrants. Yeah, um, he was also known to be ambidextrous as a child. He could he could uh, kids marveled at the fact that he could throw rocks equally with both hands. That which is, is actually kind of impressive. I think more it's more impressive that he even like tried it. I think the problem is most kids, they, you know, we all latch on to whichever hand we're better with and yeah. just never even try to do it with our other hand anymore. I, I look so silly trying to throw a football left-handed. I had a friend in high school. He's, he was ambidextrous. <clears throat> he could, he could throw with both hands and you couldn't tell either. I bet it's a matter of just practicing though, more than anything. That's what he said. He said he just practiced it. And I was like, why? Like, I was like, I don't know. I Michael, you recently it. learned how to juggle and I think it's yeah. more, it's actually quite easy to do if you just give yourself. It is. I, the average person, I'd say half an hour, within a half an hour, you can learn to juggle basic, basic juggling. Yeah, I think but no one ever does it, and they just marvel at people that can do it for some reason. And it's like, yeah, give you a lot, thirty minutes, dude. I can almost, day. I can almost, on your lunch break, you can learn to juggle. I can almost juggle four balls. I'm getting there. Yeah, now you're just getting obsessed, though. Oh yeah, I He's, am. Michael's gonna be juggling chainsaws and I, shit soon. I'm gonna go get some clubs. <laughs> oh, God, it's gonna be the fucking circus in this studio. <laughs> I'm gonna be trying to keep him on track. He's over there juggling coffee mugs and shit. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, he was, he also was like very, we talked about how charismatic he was. Um, his mother drew the same kind of like, she would go places and just people would kind of be drawn to her. And yeah. Billy had that, like he would be the he leader did. of the kids, whatever town he would end up in, he would seem to be the leader of the group of kids and they would go do mischievous stuff. Right. And he was like their pack leader. It's funny that he was called the kid because it seemed like his age never mattered. It seemed like he never let that stand in the way. I'm, I bet when he was a little kid, he was always playing with older kids. Right. Yeah, and I think he just grew up that way, and he just grew up quickly. He was like an old soul, like an old wise soul. Or it might have been they called him the kid just because of his size. Oh, well, yeah, definitely. Because even as a kid, he was slight, and then even into adulthood, he stood at about five foot seven and never weighed more than one hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah, and you know, you're talking. He's dealing with some rough, rough never, crowds throughout. He couldn't his, really grow facial hair either. So oh no, he, he had just a little bit of dirt on his lip. Yeah, <laughs> so he some looked whiskers. like a little kid. Yeah, some little yeah. whiskers on his lip. There's one known photo, photograph of him that is confirmed to be right. legitimate. And that photo, he's 21. That was right before his demise. Yeah, he's 21. Was he 21 or like 18? No, he was 21. Was he? He had the photo done like right after his birthday. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he still looks like he <laughs> oh, easily yeah. could pass for 16, 17 in the picture. Yeah. And that's in a time where rough living. I mean, you're outside in the sun all, all day, every day, just covered you're in dirt, right. no lotion. just like, <laughs> No lotion, <laughs> no coconut oil. Right. You're just out there frying, bro. No organic. Well, right. I guess everything's probably organic. Cause it's like what you could grow and like what cow you could you're kill. you just out there rubbing salsa on your face and shit. Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, but the picture, it's, it's so, it's a, it's a cool picture. And, and we yeah. were kind of talking about it before the show because everyone from that time period, everyone just mean mugged. No one ever smiled. And you can kind of, no. and that was one thing Billy was always known for was that he was always smiling. No matter what situation he was in, he could be yep. about to be hung and he's smiling, joking around. Yeah. Part of it was because he knew he was probably going to find a way out. He was very slick. He was. We'll talk about that. But ultimately he just had this he just had this way about him where he was always, I guess, either looking at the bright side of things or just sm- like kind of had that giggly smile and personality. And so you can kind of see like this half cock smile, which right. is so rare. If you look at any photographs from the 1800s and mid 1800s, everybody's just, 
they just didn't get the memo to smile for photo. But, no, the <laughs> cheese, cheese was not a thing, man. It was just yeah, and Billy, stare deadly and dead eyes into the photograph. Right, and they always dressed up and wore things they would oh never wear. He's or dressed afford. like a pimp, dude. He's just and got he, all these scarves. He's and shit wearing on. his normal shit though. That's like how he dressed, apparently. Yeah. Like a pimp. Yeah. He had this red scarf on. Yeah. He had his gambling ring on his pinky. Right. Dude is awesome, man. Oh, one thing to note about that picture, that picture is actually in reverse. Yeah. Um, so, so it appears his right hand is, his, is it's actually his left hand, but yeah. it looks like his right hand. It's weird, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like when the book was describing it, it said that he's holding the gun in his left hand or something. I'm like, that's definitely uh, yeah. his right hand. I totally looked at the picture because I was like, I'm pretty sure it's in his right hand. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's his left. It's uh, it's, it's the way they had those old weird cameras where it, like shoots yeah. fucking gunpowder on you or something. Right, <laughs> it's weird. Another fun fact about that photo was that his, I guess his girlfriend or his lady at the time, uh, she didn't like it. And Paulita. Not, not many people did. Paulita. Yeah, not many people liked it. He had a way with the the Latino girls, say, the young Latino girls, man. Yeah. He well, would, they accepted him in that culture. Well, yeah, because he did. He didn't treat them differently. No. Well, this is all stuff we'll get into, yeah. but. Yeah, quit yeah. jumping ahead. Yeah. Anyways, he was a young, handsome devil. He may have been slight and had dainty little hands and, and feet that he got made made fun of by bigger men, but he was a handsome devil. Yep. He had like dusty blonde hair, probably because he couldn't wash it. Right. Um, and piercing blue eyes. Some might call it Sandy. Right. <laughs> it's literally Sandy. Um, now, after Kansas, the family moved once again after business began to suffer um, and his mother's illness was getting worse. She had what they call at the time galloping consumption. But yeah. it, it was basically tuberculosis, yeah. which was common. I mean, you saw it uh, in uh, Tombstone. What was his name? Had it. I'll be a Huckleberry. Oh, yeah. He had yeah, it where yeah. he kept coughing up blood and everything. Yeah. It was common at the time. And part of why she kept moving was she was trying to hope uh, hope to move to climates that were a little bit better for her lungs and also... Yeah, a little um, cooler, a little more humid. She was also hoping to find treatment for it. Yeah. Um, so they, they packed up her... She sold her laundry, packed up her belongings, and headed west again for Denver, Colorado, hoping to find a cure. Um, Antrim once again tagged along the stepdad. Um, he got a job as a teamster for the railroad company in Denver. Um, now, however, the family didn't stay long in Denver once again. Too um, cold. Kept moving west. They moved west again after um, Antrim, right. his sister, invited them to live with her in Santa Fe, New Mexico, Lincoln County at the time. See, so Antrim is kind of significant. Yeah. Well, that's where See, that's where Billy ended up and stayed forever. He yeah, fell maybe in we love. We didn't with, give enough credit. He absolutely, Billy absolutely, from a young age, fell in love with New Mexico, and it was yeah. a very fascinating place at the time. It was such a melting pot of cultures. Oh yeah, you had. Sure. I think it was four to one um, Hispanic over um, white at the time, right? And then also you had a large population of uh, like Apache and Native Americans, mm-hmm. right? That were mingled in as well. Um, obviously, they were you still also had Irishmen and. Englishmen there yep. as well. Those were the scoundrels you had yeah. to look out for. They were the businessmen swooping in to try exactly. and take all the land and do it in a dirty way. And that's right. one thing that Billy would come to wrestle with for the mm-hmm. rest of his, his life, basically, yeah. was these dirty businessmen and, and uh, dirty uh, cops and all that stuff. So Catherine, after moving to New Mexico, um, very sick, she finally decides to marry, marry Henry Antum. Antrim on March of 1873. Billy was 12 years old. He now took the last name of Antrim, and basically he's being called Henry Antrim at the time because his dad mm-hmm. was still going by Billy or whatever. So if you hear Henry Antrim early on, that's was that was yeah. what he was being called. Right. Um, Billy, uh, as we mentioned, the Hispanics outnumbered whites four to one in the area at the time. Billy became quickly fluent in Spanish. Um, now that's. Right. You would think that that makes sense, but a lot of people around him didn't. You know, he was like either really talented or he actually was diligent to make it happen. 
Well, you know what I mean? So he became real popular because he could speak the language. He right. took up with their culture. A lot of whites in the area at the time acted like they were better than the, his, than the Mexican population and the Native American population at the time. But I think Billy had such a jump on the English language that he felt confident enough, you know, because of his mother mm-hmm. at a young age, yeah. being educated as she was. I felt like he had a, he kind of had a leg up. A lot of these guys could However, though, speak you look English. At his, <laughs> but you look at his own, his own older brother, Josie, never learned... Never well, learned Spanish. But Josie was different. Yeah. Josie didn't win the genetic lottery. Yeah. Uh, and 18, by 1874, the family was living in Silver City, New Mexico. There was um, part of why they moved into Mexico as well as they were hoping to, to get in on the silver that was being discovered there. Right. Uh, Billy was 14. He had many friends. Uh, um, he was a good, rem- a rambunctious teenager that took care of his sick mother as well. He was like, Henry Antrim was off working for the railroad or doing whatever he was doing right. and didn't tend to his, his newly, his newly wed wife mm-hmm. at all. Like just, le- you know, le- well, those jobs are a lot of over the road, even nowadays. Yeah. People granted he wasn't, he wasn't through. there, but yeah. Josie kind of stayed away from his mother. Catherine, yeah. Catherine was kind of bedridden and sickly and, and Josie was off working and not, not giving any money to help his mother and also not sitting by like, that, this shows you Billy's nature. He was every night he would sit by the bed of his mother and read yeah. to her and sing songs to her and any money he made on the side. Um, he started working for a blacksmith, making 10 cents an hour and was using that to help his mother get along. Catherine, when she could, when she was feeling well enough, was was like baking homemade cakes and selling them on the side and also was like renting a room to strangers just to try and make ends meet. Right. Um, now, Billy's working for this blacksmith and he's kind of being... This blacksmith is an asshole. He was always bullied by bigger, older men. This yeah. is a different time where it was just like, get over here, you little pipsqueak. Yeah, yeah you little, little piss ant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's this blacksmith's kind of like always pushing him around, messing with him. Um, and one night, Billy had had enough, and this kind of shows you the start of his... his he, he likes revenge, and he's got a temper right. on him. One night, Billy borrows a shotgun and destroyed the fire bellows of this uh, blacksmith's uh, shop. Right. It's something he depended on for a living. And he also destroyed the B on the blacksmith sign, turning it into laxsmith, which huh. I think is pretty clever. See what you did there? <laughs> That's for the day. For the, back in the day, That's for a kid pretty to do that, that is pretty clever, man. That, that would be a meme nowadays. <clears throat> right. But that was really good then. Now, the blacksmith suspected that it was Billy, but he couldn't prove it. And therefore, Billy never got punished for it. Um, Josie and Henry were no help to worsening Catherine, as we had mentioned, and uh, Billy would sit with her nightly. Um, he even, at a certain point, hatched a plot to steal jewelry uh, with a with a young kid that he had um, asked to join him along on this jewelry. He was going to yeah. rob this jewelry store and sell it, sell the jewelry to help his mother with um, the, the financial issues. Right. However, the kid that he uh, recruited to help him go on the job ratted out Billy Rolled to his dad. Him. Rolled over on him, ratted him out to ratted out the plot to his father, and Catherine, the mother of Billy, right. became aware that he was going to steal and basically accosted him for it and said she was so disappointed and she didn't want him to end up hung before he was twenty one. Yeah, a little foreshadowing there, <clears throat> <laughs> right? Um, now Catherine would end up succumbing to her illness on September sixteenth, eighteen seventy four. She died of tubercul- tuberculosis at forty five years old. Billy was only 14 years old, and this kind of, this is the turning point where 
I think he had no no positive influences or people to keep him in line after right. this, and it was a hard living time. This really pissed him off too, especially seeing how everyone left his mother. Yeah, like because he wrote Henry and told him Henry Antrim was off in yeah. a different town working, and he didn't even come back for the funeral. No, he, he kept writing him letters saying she's getting worse, and Henry would just kind of blow it off. Well, he finally wrote back a letter that said, "Sad." Right. What a dick. Right. Didn't come to the funeral. No. Yeah, his brother, his older brother Josie's off working and not not helping out, and he right. was. I mean, Josie was saddened by it, and he couldn't bring himself to come and be next to his mother who was yeah. dying. Josie well, seemed like a, a good enough guy. Like there was, I know there was a couple scenes where him and Billy talked. Was kind of he just wasn't a man of action, and Billy was. You know right, I mean? exactly. Billy was like a guy that would. Exactly. He would be the guy that would get things done. And I feel he like was Josie was sitting there like, oh, but she's so far away. Yeah, and you know, and I can't stand to see her. <laughs> How in that am I situation. gonna get there? Right. Yeah. So after Billy or after Billy's mother Catherine dies, he's angry. He's low on options, and he ends up kind of following in falling in with a rough crowd. And this crowd was led by a guy named Sombrero Jack. <laughs> Sombrero Jack was ten years older, and this yeah. starts a trend of Billy hanging out with older, influential men, kind of yeah. trying to take a father's place that he never really had. You know, he had the stepdad Henry, but he was there but not there. Right, right. And contrary to popular belief, Sombrero Jack wore a golf hat. <laughs> no, no. It was actually well, one of those hipster hats. What are they called? Yeah. A fedora. Fedora. It was yeah. actually a fedora. Right. He just. He just. Got, no. It was. It was a sombrero. It was a. I imagine one real sombrero. big sombrero. Yeah. He was a gringo with a sombrero. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, the, like I said, this this starts a trend of Billy continually getting involved with um, much older men that were involved in, may you know, some questionable things. Right. Right. Sombrero Jack was a career criminal. You know. And so Sombrero Jack breaks into a um, a store. It wasn't like a, la- a laundry. He breaks in. He stole clothing, yeah. guns, and all this stuff from this store. Right. Um, Billy wasn't along with him at the time, but he did go to Billy and basically make an agreement with Billy that if Billy took all the stuff and sold it, he would give Billy half the earnings from it. Yeah. And so Billy's in possession of all these stolen goods, these guns, these clothes, and he exactly. actually starts wearing these clothes because he doesn't have nice clothes of his own. And gets noticed for having these nice clothes by a woman, who inspects his uh, his closet and finds this this uh, this drum filled with stuff, yep. all the stolen Plus goods. Plus one of the guns from the store. One of the guns from yeah. the store. Yeah, and he ends up good. doing his first stint in jail because of this. So he's caught and put in jail for having these stolen goods. He's looking at six weeks in jail before the case would even be heard, and for. A young... And he was like, ah, nah, I don't think I'm going to hang around for that. <laughs> right. He's much like uh, some people that we've studied in this, like a Panzram or a yeah. uh, Ted Bundy, where he's he's a slippery minx. Well, he's you hard turn to hold your back, to. I'm going to head on up that fireplace over there. <laughs> and jails weren't quite the same <laughs> no, they back weren't. then. It was like wooden doors and, yeah. you know, big holes and shit. And yeah, which we've learned from a lot of clay, cases. Clay walls and fireplaces that... A skinny right. kid might be able to fit I feel out. Like, I feel like in this time, if you didn't escape from jail, you just really weren't trying in life. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you're really not trying. Either you're a drunkard. And <laughs> yeah, and you just ain't got no motivation. Yeah, like, and they may just give you a bottle of whiskey if yeah. you're a drunkard in jail. Like, here. Just, to just, just, just keep you in here. Yeah, let's just keep an eye on you in here and keep drinking. All right. Hey, it's the cheapest room and board you're going to get. Man. Right. <laughs> yeah, so he's looking at six weeks in jail before his case even heard, and he figured he'd probably be found guilty anyway, having possession of those stolen goods. Yeah. However, the sheriff at the time didn't, he was kind of catching flack for even having Billy locked up because the sheriff's son was one of Billy's good friends. 
Mm-hmm. And so Sheriff's son's giving him flack for it, and his wife even at the time is giving him flack, having feeling bad for Billy. Right, because Billy's mom just died, you know, yes. and they knew him personally. Yeah. Like, it's all about who you know. Yeah, and so he's kind of, the, the sheriff's got a little bit of a soft spot and feels bad for having to have him locked up, and Billy plays on that. He was really good at that. Oh, hell yeah. All the way through to the end, he was always really good at getting people's guards down. He seemed harmless. He was always in a positive mood. But in all fairness, but he was he was harmless to people who were harmless to him. Mostly, dude. At the end, that last jailbreak we'll talk about, there was the one deputy that oh, didn't deserve well. what got come, he had coming to him. But, but how else is he going to get out, though? Self-preservation yeah, at that point. That, but that, does, that doesn't change the fact That's that true. He, he didn't deserve that. All right, Sheriff Lorne. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm going to lay the law down around here. All right. Yeah. So um, the, he plays on the sheriff's soft spot for him and um, requests that the sheriff let him leave the cell to like stretch out or whatever in the hallway. Yeah. And uh, in the hallway what area. What kind of excuses that? I'd be like, that cell's plenty big enough. Exactly. <laughs> Billy, you're a small boy. You can stretch out all you want, and they can do jumping jacks. You can lay out get. there three times long ways if you wanted to. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so so he convinced the sheriff to let him out for 30 minutes of exercise outside of his cell every morning. And one morning when the jailer wasn't looking, he ducked into a, a thin fireplace that was in the uh, the main area of the jail and was able to crawl his way up this narrow fireplace. Dude, you know what my favorite thing about this story is? This part of the story? When he gets out the top and he's coughing and covered in soot and shit. No, no. Even better than that is the sheriff's reaction. He's like, oh, well, damn. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> that was impressive. I think I'm just going to let him go. <laughs> Yeah, so even the sheriff was a little bit. I, yeah. don't, I don't believe I've seen a young man with so much, uh, so much motivation, so much moxie. Drive. <laughs> moxie is the word I would use. Yeah, so he craw- crawls up the flue um, onto the roof, jumps off, and he's he's out, and he hops a stagecoach and heads to Arizona. What a badass! Right, he figures he should probably flee the area. For he probably a while. jumped through the roof of it. <laughs> right. Well, he weighed all of 125 pounds, so oh, he probably didn't even break the tarp. He just rode on top, right? Tiny little dust cloud. Like a little hammock. (laughs) (laughs) So he hops a stagecoach and heads to Arizona. There he's planning to meet up with his stepfather, Henry Antrim, who is working in Arizona at the time. Um, He does find him, um, and he finds Henry fruitlessly panning for gold in a river by day. That was basically all he was doing, finding little little baby nuggets here and there, and just basically just enough to survive out there. Um, And he didn't have much to offer for Billy. Even if he did, I don't know if he would have offered much. I think he was more smitten so. with Henry, Henry, with uh, Billy's mother than anything, and didn't really care what happened to Billy. Right? They She's have this. Gone. They have this sit down at a restaurant um, where he gives Billy like a shot or whatever, a shot of whiskey. Billy's first encounter with liquor, I believe. Yeah. And um, they start talking, and he offers him a room for the night. Tells him that's all I can do. I've got you know very little. I can offer you a room for the night, and buys him a steak or whatever. But when he's sitting down and talking to Billy, he's, you know, what's the real reason you're here, Billy? Yeah. Billy finally tells him that he had gotten caught for theft. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he tells him... And now he's all Mr. Righteous all of a sudden. You know, I got a good reputation around here. I can't yeah. have you, your thieving ass around here getting me yeah, in trouble. pretty much. So that room, I'm not letting you stay there. And what, what Billy does next is pretty funny. It's, it's pretty badass. He's like, all right, I'll just collect my things yep, then. And some of yours. <laughs> he realizes that uh, that old Henry's had one too many. Uh-huh. Oh, what did he, he actually, Billy, at one point, I thought this was kind of funny in the book. I don't know if this actually happened or if the book, like the, the writer, the writer made some phenomenal dialogue. Yeah. This is like Tarantino shit, like just great dialogue. Super good. Anyway, so he's sitting there with, with Henry and they're drinking and Henry does another shot and he's looking like he's a little slockered. 
And Henry goes, don't you think you've had enough? And he goes, I'll stop right after I'm good and plenty. <laughs> like right after good, right after plenty is yeah. when he'll stop, which is. That's what Henry says, right? No, that's what, yeah. Henry says, yeah. I'll stop right after I'm at the point of enough. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> anyway, so he, you know, uh, Billy realizing that Henry's too drunk to really do anything about it, swaying yeah. in his chair and whatnot, goes up to the room he was going to stay in and basically rips off Henry for a bunch of shit, takes his gun, takes $2 oh, worth yeah. of money, which is a pretty good amount of money at the time. Hey, yeah. A few days worth of work minimum. Yeah. And uh, some clothes and all kinds days, of stuff. Well, 20 hours worth of work for him. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So he takes all that stuff. Um, and basically uh, stays in Arizona for a little while, working various jobs. He tries to be a, during this time. It seems like he tries to be a cowboy, right? He's trying to like he's trying to kind of go straight the here. trail. He's trying, yeah, he's and, trying to do the right thing. However, here. he was too slight, and he was always judged for his size and, and unable to to really fit in with the cowboys, roping and and uh, corral and cattle and stuff. So they they usually would put him on the uh, on the hot stove uh, at the tent. Right. Or whatever right. they call that. Working basically cooking for all the people that were actually out there exactly. cattle driving exactly. and stuff. And and he had some experience cooking because when his mother was ill and bedridden, he was doing all the cooking. So he was actually a pretty decent cook. Yeah. So he was doing a uh, he was working cooking for cowboys for a little while in Arizona and then he started uh, working as a hay reaper, throwing hay bales hay bales around, I suppose, and I guess he might have gotten a little bit stronger during that time throwing mm, that you can get Jack doing that. Hell yeah, hay bales are heavy. Fuck yeah. Um, he then uh, fell under the, another influence of an older man, a 27-year-old Scottish horse thief named John Mackey. <laughs> it's just one after another, man. Yeah. And there was only one that seemed to actually be a good influence over him. And that's that's a Tunstall. big turning Tunstall. point in this story. Yeah, John yeah. Tunstall. But we'll I liked get him. So he comes across this 27-year-old Scottish horse thief named John Mackey. Mackey believed in the code of the West, which meant that he could take whatever he wanted, including other men's livestock. Um, he also introduced Billy to prostitution. <laughs> that scene, that scene in the book was kind of crazy. Oh my god! That's yeah. when I first realized, okay, this guy is not leaving out any details. Yeah, <laughs> this book, uh, yeah, it gets softcore porn esque, pornographic <laughs> at times. You like Wild West eroticas? <laughs> not many, not many details spared. Even where uh, where old young Billy would put his uh, yeah part. Well, the uh, <laughs> his six shooter. <laughs> the downloads of this book just went up. <laughs> Seriously. The uh, first prostitute supposedly wouldn't let him actually even penetrate her. She would yeah. use her thighs instead because right. she didn't want to get pregnant. Yeah. I don't know if condoms were in a uh, uh, little... They were, were they little even, were they they even had something thing? like that because he mentioned it later in the book that he had had, had Probably some. using like old saddle leather or something. <laughs> saddle leather? <laughs> Who knows? I, mean, I don't think they had Trojans back then. <laughs> anyway, so Billy's first... I don't even if that if that counts as like losing your virginity if you uh, technically stuck no. in her thighs. <laughs> I mean, well, he finished so yeah, he had a good time. I, sounds I, yeah, like in the know. book, <laughs> he only paid a dollar, so you know, that's a bargain. That's a bargain. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, John Mackey, the Scottishman, introduced. If we could do a good Scottish accent, I don't know. Like put it in there. <laughs> put it in her thighs, mate. Put it in her thighs, mate. If she won't have a problem with it, she'll give you a discount. <laughs> right. So Mackie and Billy went on stealing horses, and this is his first encounter with stealing horses, and after this, it's free-for-all. Billy, say what you want. He seemed real likable, and most of his crimes were justified, except yeah. for non-stop horse thievery. This dude yeah. stole, in this book alone... It's like, it's just a side, like little footnote. Like, yeah, and then he went on stealing horses on his way here. 
literally like <laughs> sounds in the book like he stole about nine thousand horses <laughs> at least at least at least like at least it was a daily horses. occurrence maybe multiple times a day like as much as you take a piss he's stealing a horse it's almost like oh what do we gotta do now i got a little free time i think we'll steal a horse <laughs> yeah i'm gonna steal a few horses it was a quick way to make a buck he there's horses and cattle. It. if it wasn't horses it was cattle he was stealing yeah he was stealing something and, and it was always was, livestock i think just because there was no resistance and out on these ranches i mean these people didn't stand a chance what are they gonna do come out and shoot out a gang of outlaws right come on what are you gonna do yeah he was rarely alone when he was doing it. he usually right. had some followers that yeah. were with him and, and mackie had his own followers yeah what are you gonna do tell the sheriff by the time he they're there he's already gone they're long gone the horses are already sold yeah now he however him and mackie running around stealing all these horses finally get attention because they're doing it so much so yeah. frequently that people are getting pissed and on february of 1877 they have warrants out for the arrest and they're taken under arrest while eating breakfast at a camp grant uh, camp grant guardhouse uh, is where they're jailed and so billy once again behind bars immediately notice he starts you just picture he like he's being walked in the jail and he's just scoping everything out he's just oh hell yeah all right where's my fucking angle here and yeah. he gets put in his cell and he starts looking around and it doesn't take long to notice a one foot um gap of room between the ventilation for basically the gap is for ventilation and it's between the walls and the roof overhang this old shitty jail yeah um, and he's looking at it and you just picture him immediately smirking like, there's my spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and it just so happened that that night that he gets put in jail, um, there was going to be live music performed for the officers out in like the courtyard. Oh, how sweet. He probably paid for it. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the, the way the book described it was pretty funny. It was like, he's talking to uh, Mackie in the cell and he's like, I heard there's going to be live music tonight. And Mackie's like, so what about it? And he's <laughs> In a Scottish <laughs> hick accent. What about like, it? What about it? <laughs> what? I don't know. And, yeah, it's terrible. We're not going to try. <laughs> We're not going to try. Anyways, and he goes, I like live music. And that's just kind of his way of going, I'm getting out of here tonight. Yeah. yeah. And so later that night, as the concert's going on, he has Mackie um, stand there and he stands on his shoulders and gets up into that one foot gap and actually climbs out and jumps down, like in the same courtyard where all the officers are watching the live music. And they don't hear the thud of his feet hitting the ground because they're well, too distracted by the music. And he's like 50 pounds. Yeah, and he's no. like, yeah, he doesn't weigh <laughs> shit. Yeah, so uh, he he ends up uh, escaping um, by dropping down out, out of that gap. And Mackie ended up getting released due to insufficient evidence of the horse thievery anyway. So uh, it was all for naught. Uh, However, he got out a little earlier than he would have. How unmotivated the officers are. They're like, <laughs> well, you well, got the horses in possession. I don't know. Well, it's his well, word against ours. Shit, though. I don't see him, and uh, he ain't in the jail anymore, right. so... <laughs> I guess them half them horses came back anyway, so. <laughs> well, just boost the economy. Right. Now, Mackie, um, he's still continuing. to. They ended up meeting back up. So after um, Billy um, escaped from jail and Mackie got out, um, Billy had to walk like miles through the desert. And he, oh, he, yeah. finds, he finds this little town in a bar and he straggles in all like dying of dehydration, probably drinks out of a water trough or something, <laughs> a horse trough. Probably takes somebody um, else's beer. <laughs> and by, by just luck and circumstance, he runs yeah. into Mackie and they start working again together. And one of, one of the people that Mackie is using as like a fence, so he's stealing horses and he's stealing also like saddles and all that kind of stuff. Right. And there's this uh, farrier... Named Wendy Cahill. He's, I think, I want to say he's a another Scottish guy. That's how they became yeah, acquainted. So. Him and Mackie. Wendy Cahill was a large Scottish farrier that was um, that went, that Mackie was using to uh, sell his stolen goods to. You know, he's a farrier, so he's got use for all these saddles and stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, Mackie would steal these these things and bring them to Wendy. And uh, he was another farrier slash blacksmith that would incessantly mess with 
Oh, with gosh, young Billy, the bar scene. Anytime that Billy was around Mackie, and they would go meet up with Wendy Cahill, Cahill yeah. would start messing with Billy and pushing him around and doing all this shit. And on the night of August eighteen, August eighteen seventy seven, Billy's at a poker table, and he's playing poker, and Mackie's there mm-hmm. playing poker together. And you could picture this like a scene out of a movie. Oh, you know, dude. they're playing poker, and some words start getting exchanged. Billy prods him a little bit, makes a fat joke. They yeah. were they were talking prostitutes they were talking sex workers Mm -hmm. and uh uh, mackie was talking about uh doing that and billy said something about are you sure you won't kill him if you lay on him because mackie was a bigger dude right a fat joke uh mackie wasn't too quick on the uptake and it took him a little while to respond according (laughs) to the book but finally he came out with hours later (laughs) yeah (laughs) fast forward two hours later mackie finally gets his joke and it has something to do something along the lines of billy's mother teaching him how to prostitute or something like that yeah Apparently, Billy had a soft spot for his dead mother. Basically calling him a old school motherfucker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Billy don't like being uh, his mother being talked about. No, no, no. Um, calls him out, stands up and calls him out. Mackie immediately drops him with a, a punch to the stomach. This is a guy that's probably three times Billy's size, by the way. Yeah, basically knocks his breath away with yeah. one punch. Billy's on the ground. Mackie gets on top of him and starts slapping him around. And the whole yeah. room is kind of laughing and playing along as Mackie's just tormenting him. Right. And Billy's, this is almost, you could make a case here for sure for uh, self-defense because Billy's oh, so yeah. small and this big dude is standing, like sitting on him and Billy's supposedly not even being able to breathe. Well, and, however, he reaches for, he's able to reach and get a hold of his, his uh, pistol. Well, don't leave out the fact that he was threatening to bite Billy in the face and was actually leaning down to his face. Really? Remember? They said that in the book? I don't yeah. remember that. Wow. Yeah, he said something along, like, like we said, with the dialogue, yeah. I don't know, but it's odd that that this dialogue fits, I guess, what happened. Well, I want to say that self-defense but, back then was pretty loose. Like, if you got in an argument and, like, the two kind of squared off, it's like one guy ends up dead. It's kind of like, well, you guys both agreed. Well, <laughs> you swung at him. No, but what he was doing was... Especially was, if you're on top of a guy. He was on top of him, had his, had his, you know, had his shoulders down or whatever, uh-huh. and said something along the lines of, you won't be so pretty if I bite that little nose off. And oh, he my was coming God. down towards his face. And that's why Billy reached for his gun. He had no other option. Yeah. I mean, I think he would have wrote it out and just take the ass whooping if if he wasn't well, trying to do we'll that. We'll never know. We'll never know. And whether the bite, the, the nose biting thing is true yeah. or not, we'll probably never really know either. But that's cra- that's a crazy detail right. that someone would just make up, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's and there saying. was plenty of people there that they could have written it down or Absolutely. talked about it later. But I mean, I, we know the telephone game. A lot of shit can get yeah. strewed. Especially in the West, right? over 150 years ago. Yeah, in the West, there's the some hi- hyperbole, I'm sure. <laughs> Anyways, the long, the, the gist of the story is Billy being held down and tormented yep. by this guy ends up getting a hold of his pistol when he's not looking and gut shots him. Yep. Shoots him right in the stomach, which is a death sentence. Whether you bleed out or Shooting the lead... upwards po- with, the stomach. Whether you bleed out or you have a long agonizing uh, lead poisoning yeah. trip where you're dead by morning, that's basically what happened is the guy basically oh, suffered. suffered all night long yeah. before finally given in to sweet death and uh billy was on the run again knowing that even though the people in the room like when he looked around the bar he said that was self-defense you guys saw that they were all like yeah i saw self-defense but you know they're probably like shit i I don't know if i want to get shot next Uh, (laughs) so when the when the uh, sheriff comes and investigates he decides that to put out a warrant for murder Mm -hmm. on uh billy and so billy uh flees and flees back to new mexico he loved new mexico anyway and uh this is somewhere he would always return to. If he ever right. left, he would always... New Mexico was always his home. Yeah. Um, 
Now he, for a while now, this is kind of where he's on the lamb, like trying to stay hidden because he's wanted for murder. Right. And he's staying on this, uh, this camp called Apache Tejo. And he began calling himself William H. Bonnie. He changes his name again. Yeah. Um, Bonnie was his mother's uh, maiden name, by the way. So that's where the Bonnie comes from. Oh, that's cool. So he starts calling himself William H. Bonnie. He's 17 years old at this time. And basically, he's taken on the persona of a Mexican. He's got a sombrero. He's wearing basically like the equivalent of a poncho. Mm-hmm. And that's where you see like, um, uh, what's his face? His depiction of him in Young Guns. Um, es- Emilio, Emilio Estevez. Estevez. Yeah. He's, you know, you yeah, see him. He yeah, looks yeah. like a Mexican. And a lot of people, when they would see... Uh, uh, Billy the Kid at the time, they would uh, on a, upon arrival of seeing yeah. him, they would ass- just assume he was another Mexican because right. he had you know he was out in the sun all day. And this is where he really hones in his gun shooting skills. Oh yeah, this is where he becomes a sharpshooter. He's spending a lot of time basically. Um, he's he's straight. He, he's making a living wrestling straight calves from herds along the Rio Grande River. Isn't he also like hunting mountain lions and stuff for people at this point in time? Is I think he's just doing whatever, like whatever he yeah. can do to make a buck. And Once he, they realize what of a shot he was, I mean, he's yeah. like one shot killing mountain lions from his horse. Yeah, he's hanging out in this camp out in the desert and practicing his sharpshooting by day right. and mainly stealing calves from like herds of cattle during night and selling them off or, or eating them or whatever yeah. to make to, to stay alive. And uh, But during the day, he's just honing his skills. He's just... He gets to the point where like he's amazing everyone around him because yeah. he can he can ride a horse and then uh, swoop down underneath the horse and hit cans you know yeah. and, and he he got this uh, this way of shooting that you know that you see a lot of times in these uh, these old western movies where a guy doesn't have to put the gun up and aim down the sights no, he just he gets this you get this connection between your brain and that gun where it's like a yeah. part of you and you can just. Boom, look at the target. Dead eye and just, from Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, it was said that he could hip shot a penny yeah. out of the air and make it flip, you know, I don't know how many times uh, out of 10. That sounds, That's sounds pretty badass, though. Pretty crazy. I know something else he practiced uh, that mentioned in the book was kind of interesting, how he, he would practice leaning down off his horse with one hand and grabbing his rifle off the ground. Wow. And I think I think he did that in case like he was in a battle mm-hmm. and like if he wanted to take somebody else's gun maybe he's out of ammo he could, Absolutely. he could literally at full speed swing all the way down to the belly of the horse grab the gun and pull himself being back light up. and little probably helped yeah. with these these crazy maneuvers as well That's and not getting cool. hit when you're yeah. when you're thin as a rail yeah exactly <laughs> it helps because he's got man smaller target the one thing about Billy is he was in a lot of sticky situations his 21 years were and this is such an interesting kind life. of a Clyde Barrow type. such an interesting life by all accounts every account about Billy that's the one thing you can't deny whether you thought he was good or bad yeah this dude it's amazing he, he lived a crazy life he only lived awesome. to 21 but it's amazing that he even lived that long when you hear about all these situations he got into where so many people around him ended up dead and he made it out you Would know you, i don't know he only lived to 21 but damn like he could have lived longer he could he live a life like that he did himself in by staying in that same area if he would have fled he could have he would have went to mexico to an old age yeah he would have died of old age. You're right. Yeah. Um, anyways, well, we'll get to that. So he's living on this. Uh, he's living in Apache Tejo, and he's he's shooting guns all day and just toning in his skills, wrestling calves. Um, however, soon word got out about his skills, uh, his his sharp shooting skills, and all that stuff, and he was recruited by a group of bandits that called themselves the Boys. Um, this group was led by uh, a man named Jesse Evans. He was 23 years old at the time. He was half Cherokee with red hair and yeah. a hothead, like a guy that was yeah. bloodthirsty, that was feared. This is dude what you imagine is an out, a real outlaw. Very scary. I wish there was pictures. I tried to find pictures of Jesse Evans. There yeah. wasn't because this no. this Jesse Evans is going to be play a major role in this rest of this story. He was always going to be it, it it one of those things where Billy Je- switches sides at a certain point. Jesse right Evan- now he's working with Jesse Evans. Jesse Evans goes to the highest bidder. 
Yeah. I mean, period. he's freelance gun, Hell gun yeah. slinging. Wherever the care. money is, he will kill for that person. Right. Um, so now, so Billy's running around with Jesse Evans and, and the, and the boys, quote unquote, the boys, and he's loving it. He's loving, he's got, he's under the influence of another older man. Cause like Jesse's what, like six years older than him at the time or right. something. And the gang is boldly stealing horses. They're feared by anyone among them or around. Um, they stole whatever they wanted. They even sent a taunting letter to the Mencia independent newspaper written by Billy, but worded by Jesse. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm assuming Jesse was illiterate. Yeah, um, basically, the gist of the letter they sent to the public, because everybody's feared this gang, and they were trying to figure out what they were going to do to stop them, but they really couldn't because law enforcement had such a weak influence at the time. They didn't have like large police department. It was like a sheriff right. and the, whoever he could hire, some sto- shopkeepers and stuff to help him out. Yeah. Um, like a militia almost. So they send this taunting letter to the uh, newspaper and they say, the public is our oyster and having the power, we claim the right to appropriate any property we take a fancy to <laughs> and that we should exercise the right regardless of consequences. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Not only are you doing it, you're like, you're stating that that's why you're doing it. Yeah. Like just because we can. You got to respect that. I, I guess so. Yeah. They're not, they're not denying the Shit. fact that they're just going to take what they want. Yeah. Just letting you know. <laughs> now, it's about this time that they steal the wrong horses, though. You know, there are some people mm. that you just don't want to mess with. Yeah. Steal the average man's horse, you can get away with it every time. However, right. you steal some uh, powerful businessmen's horses and things start to change. So the boys steal the horses of a man named John Henry Tunstall. He was a well-off British businessman who had uh, immigrated over and basically trying to make his big name in the West. Right. He hears that there's a lot of money to be made. He saw a lot the of opportunities. Saw what the Irish were doing over here. You know, over in over in uh, Britain at the time, all the land was all taken and, and you know. Right. Everybody had, it all had a claim. Oh, this is a wild west. He can go there and make a huge name for himself. And that's what he intended yeah. to do. Tunstall had a foreman named Dick Brewer at the time. Brewer was a relentless, uh, he, he he was so angered by the theft of Henry Tunstall. He had like these prize ponies that they had stolen. Like these were, not your average horse. Right. Henry right. Tunstall, this British man, had some beautiful horses that oh, they had absolutely. taken. And they were actually like, those are the ones that like Billy and the boys were riding because they're like, these are some price. These are high quality steeds here. So like the- <laughs> they're actually not just selling them. Like they're, they're riding around on Tunstall's horses here. Right. These are like the, what, what is it? The, uh, like the horse that they cut the head off of in Casino? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like these are some prize <laughs> no, 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 horses. No, you mean uh, Godfather. Godfather, yes, yeah. Godfather. Godfather, yeah. Yeah, like that horse. Wakes up in the bed with the horse <laughs> yeah. head. Oh, oh, God, that scene just destroyed me when I first saw it. Oh, that was horrific. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tried to disguise that for my wife. Anytime I'm watching that movie, I'm like, you probably leave the room for a minute. <laughs> we have six horses in the backyard. She, that's her passion. Right. Um, yeah, so he's riding around on Tunstall's horses, and Tunstall's foreman and like security, one of one of his employees, he's got like all these guys that he's hired, and a lot of yeah. them are roughnecks, guys that usually used to be criminals, and now they've you know decided they want to take a different lot in life, and they can make money doing things the right way. So right. they start working for Tunstall, and this guy Dick Brewer is pissed, and he's he decides he's going to have a relentless pursuit of the of the the gang, mm-hmm. the boys, and he's going to get those. F- freaking horses back yeah so um he convinced at the time there was a sheriff named bill brady and brady didn't really want much to do with it he was elected much much like how sheriffs back then were elected because he became he had known some powerful people at the time some businessmen and bill brady got elected as a means for those businessmen to have their bidding with the law and do what they want and you'll see Mm -hmm. how that affects everything bill brady is a dirty sheriff and 
he only does what the rich, powerful businessmen tell him to do. The sheriffs and the governors are nothing but pawns in these stories. Yeah. They have it's no power. It's the businessmen running they everything. They have no power. Which yeah. is kind of how it still Just is. Just like really. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So Brewer goes to Bill Brady, the sheriff, to assemble a posse and arrest the gang after hearing about the uh, them being in a temporary hideout. Brewer mm-hmm. has been uh, made aware that they're hiding out in this house out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And so he goes to Bill Brady, and Bill Brady really doesn't want anything to do with it at first. However, Brewer is able to convince him. So they get this this posse together to go out and get the boys. Um, they find them. They go out to their hideout, and a shootout ensues. Eventually, the boys surrender after being promised that they wouldn't be lynched. Dude, so they surround them and can you imagine off living in a time where you could just be like you know be like a butcher, like cutting beef or whatever, and some sheriff comes by the door. Throws you a rifle. Let's go. We're going to get Billy the Kid. You right. Know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's how it was. That's the, Yeah, and that was like no big deal. It's yeah, like, deputies was like a very loose term back then, apparently. It was like, you know, you're you're doing whatever, yeah. trimming trimming horse feet by day, and then there's like, the sheriff comes over. Come on, grab a gun. Let's do this. We're going to go life, get the boys. <laughs> we're going to go li- get the boys. It's like no wonder all these guys were happy in just these old blue-collar jobs because they got the freaking... Dude, whether you were a bandit or a lawman back then, your life was... I mean, crazy. you were you were bound to be a part of something at some yeah. point. Whether you were just an innocent bystander, you were liable to get shot, or just you say the wrong thing, or look at somebody the wrong way. I would love to just sit down with any of these guys from here, even even like right. a bartender. Can you imagine the stories that dude's got? Right. Oh, bartenders, especially yeah. like a saloon. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Crazy man, different time. Only 150 years ago, though. Right. Remember that people? That's crazy. So initially, when Brewer heard about this hideout that they were at, he had actually went there on his own, really ballsy move, and and like uh, approached the gang and confronted them and said, "I want my horses." Yeah. And Jesse Evans, the leader, the scary leader, actually so impressed by his his gall to come up and and do that, said, "You can have your horses back, but we're keeping <laughs> the rest. We're keeping Tunstall's horses <laughs> since he ain't here to do anything about it." Right. And Brewer demanded that he give him all the horses, including Tunstall's. And that's when he said, well, I guess you're not getting anything. <laughs> so get the hell out of here. Or we're right. going to kill you. And they all kind of surrounded him. And Brewer decided it was best to leave. But he came back with this posse, including Sheriff Brady. And they were able to get the upper hand and get right. uh, get take them into custody. Billy, however... When, After a long shootout, though. However, Billy was not... He was in the house doing whatever when Brewer had first come up. So Brewer didn't know Billy was with them. He had saw only what he had seen. Exactly. And Billy, when they came back and uh, had this whole standoff, he actually stayed in the house and they didn't go in there to look around. So Billy escaped this whole thing. Um, Jesse Evans and the rest of the boys went into custody and Billy um, escaped with them not knowing well, he was there. Well, they also filled that house full of bullet holes, though. Right. So they assumed that Whoever if anybody was in, was in there would there, be dead anyway. Yeah, it'd be dead. Right. We're talking so, like, wasn't this the, the uh, gunfight where they said like almost over 2,000 rounds were emptied and like yeah. nobody was hit? Yeah. Nobody was hit. And they, they oh, also... They, what are they, stormtroopers? They also took all the horses, including Billy's. So he's yeah. hiding in the house. They take his... It's like I said, this house is out in the middle of nowhere too. Yeah. So Billy has to like walk miles again mm-hmm. through the desert and he staggers to a home dehydrated and beat up. This happens to be the home of a family this, called the Joneses. Yeah. Okay. This happens to be the family uh, of the Joneses and he... They take to him right away. He like asks everyone does. Yeah, they take to Billy right away because he's a nice. You know, he's always well mannered and, and polite. And he basically, when he approaches them, he asks if there's any work he can do, and he just needs a place to stay and some food to eat. And so they, he ends up staying there for three weeks, and they really grow to like him and look at him as like a family member. He's like out shooting with their youngest son that was kind of around their age, and mm-hmm. like they really enjoy his company. Um, and and he probably would have stayed for who knows how long. However, the boys found out where he had been staying, and they sent some people to go retrieve him. Now, right. Jesse Evans and some of the leaders Not, of the boys are still locked up, though. 
Dude, I think if Jesse Evans didn't come back, Billy would have stayed with these people. It actually wasn't Jesse that came back. It was some of his members well, that I mean, came back if, because if Jesse's would, still in jail. Yeah, if he wouldn't have sent those guys, right? I think he might have stayed with these people. Like he really had it made here. Anytime Billy had a chance to turn like to a cleaner lifestyle, he yeah. took it. You know. But then again, as soon as the crew comes riding up, he's like, all right, well. He may so not have had an option, though. You yeah, know he what I mean? not. Because he of what he to, knew. Because Jesse of what he Evans knew. expected him to come break him out, or else there was yeah. probably going to be repercussions knowing Jesse's hot-headed temper. And yeah. Anyways, so the boys come out, find out where he was, and they recruit him to, to rejoin. They then go, and they break Evans out of jail by basically walking into the jail. The, there's one um, deputy sitting there in a chair. They walk up to him and threaten his life. Billy says... You know, I'll give you another, another uh, what do you say? I'll, I'll let you sleep a little longer because the, the deputy was sleeping when he walked in. According yeah. to the book, yeah, yeah. he puts the pistol to his head and said, you either give me those keys or you'll be sleeping a little longer or something <laughs> like that. He always knew what to say. Right. <laughs> oh, Billy had the best lines. He pulled his little cigarette out of his mouth, threw it down, and he stomped said, it out. <laughs> so the deputy said something about this job ain't nothing but minor wages to me. You go, Here, here's the keys. Yeah. And they walk right out of the jail with Evans. Now, um... Not long after that, however, Billy is discovered for horse thievery and locked up again. Um, just yeah. him, though. He's he's out doing some thievery, I guess, himself, right, and gets, right. ends up getting locked up in the same jail. Well, he's riding one of Tunstall's horses. Oh, okay, is that what it was? Yeah. Now, he's in the same jail, however, that, uh, that Jesse Evans just got broken out of, that he just broke Jesse Evans out of. Mm-hmm. Now, he's <laughs> sitting in there and sitting in there, and Evans and the boys never come yeah, and break like, him out. Him. They don't We're give not him going this, back over there. Yeah, they don't give him the same treatment, so he's sitting there and questioning... You know, his allegiance to this gang of douchebags that won't come and do the same thing he did for them. Exactly. Um, And so getting kind of desperate, sitting in jail, awaiting, you know, whatever's going to happen, he decides to tell the the sheriff on duty there to go get the offending party of who got him locked up, which happened to be John Tunstall. Yep. And so John Tunstall, the rich businessman, uh, Mm -hmm. British guy, shows up to the jail and there's this whole conversation that was depicted in the book. Yeah. Tunstall's a very uh, forgiving man in a sense, but he also liked the cut of young uh, young Billy's jib, which everyone <laughs> seemed to, you know? Yeah. Well, he also needed, he needed some muscle. He did, but he Billy, needed some, he needed Billy a had a different slinger. vibe like than yeah. Jesse Evans and the boys. He felt like he could trust uh, Billy. John asked him why he did it, and Billy was very forthcoming and admitted to it and said that, you know, he basically apologized, and, and uh, John was like, you know, you're different than the other guys, and... and and started asking him a lot of stuff about Billy and found right. out that he was very apt with a gun. He was he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Some would say a sharpshooter. And John Stunsell ends up giving him a job and dropping the charges, telling yeah. his lawyer to drop the charges and basically takes Billy out of the jail with him, brings him immediately to a store, buys him a, a fancy six-shooter, buys him oh. uh, assless chap knife, <laughs> 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 buys him some chaps, uh all the fixings, a nice oh, fancy yeah, holster, and Billy is just in heaven. Dude. And basically offers him a job paying him a dollar a day, which is much better than any other prospects that Billy had at the time. Dude, at, at first, I don't think Tunstall's uh, intentions were very, very good with this. Like, I liked him by the end. Right. I did. I, I liked him in the, I mean, I liked him in the middle once I got to know him. But I don't know if I really, I like when at, I really thought about it, I, think, I don't think Billy was any different than the Irish businessmen that were, I think once... He was at the beginning. Tunstall. Tunstall, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Tunstall. John Tunstall, the British businessman, was here to take over. That's what he was there for. He, he showed up mm-hmm. to Lincoln County, New Mexico, and he planned on taking advantage of a situation there where there was a lot of money to be made. Right. At the moment, there were some businessmen that had kind of a monopoly going that we're about to talk about. Yeah. And he planned to take over and undercut them. 
I, I just think it's funny that a lot of the guys that he's hiring to be ranchers also happen to be gunslingers. He's expecting war. Oh, he's no ex- doubt. He's expecting violence. Yes. You know what I'm trying to say? Because and that's that's what leads us to the situation he knows he's in. John Tunn still comes here. He's looking to take over and make a buck. And he knows what's going on in, in Lincoln County at the time is a monopoly. There are some Irish businessmen. Mm-hmm. Their names are... Uh, Murphy and Dolan. Murphy and Dolan. They own a mercantile and banking operation. Basically, they run the entire area. They run everything. They everything. have the sheriff in their pocket. Sheriff Brady, who we talked about, oh, was elected by these two, <laughs> Murphy and Dolan. They yeah. they run everything. They run. They tell the sheriff what to do. Yep. And I mean, they appoint the governor. They, they do everything. Yeah. They they they're doing. Yeah, everybody's in their pocket. Um, they had established the Murphy and Dolan mercantile and banking operation. They had this giant building in the heart of the town that was called The House. Mm-hmm. And it was a mercantile shop, but it was also just the head of their operation. It was this big-ass building that later became like the courthouse and everything. Right. And so they're running shit, and anybody that does anything answers to them. And here comes this upstart, John Tunstall, coming in from Britain. And you already know there's some mm-hmm. tension because they're Irish, he's British. Right. They already felt like they're trying to escape the, the iron rule of the British over there, yeah. you know, the old-school crown. Well, and the famine. They want to come over to America and make make their own way. And then this Britishman comes back in right. to America and he's trying to like undercut them. He opens his own store called Tunstall and Company General Merc- Mercandi- Merchandising Store, like right across the street yeah. from the house. <laughs> and he starts offering everything. Like Walmart and Kmart over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like you got Walmart who's running everything yeah, over there, yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is the house. And then oh, you got Tunstall. I would say Tunstall is more like Target. Tunstall rolls in with like yeah. Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. <laughs> and <laughs> people tend to want to go there because he's offering everything at a lower price. He undercuts he undercuts yeah, the house. Yeah. And also they know the kind of monopoly and the racket yep. that the uh that Murphy and Dolan are rolling over there. And so everyone would rather support this guy who's not in, in, entrenched in yeah, not politics yet. and everything. He would have been right there, though. If he had all that success, he would have been right with the, where they are. Exactly. Now, Tunstall is doing really well, initially, like right yeah. off the bat. And obviously, he knows what's coming. He knows Murphy and Dolan are going to come after him. And that's why he starts assembling yeah. his own crew of um, able-bodied shooters and, and ex-cons and ex-thieves, mm-hmm. much like Billy the Kid. Yep. Um, that's why he, instead of pressing charges against Billy, decides to recruit him into his group. And he starts having Billy rope cattle for him, and, uh, round up cattle, and do a lot of stuff by day. But ultimately, he's gearing up for what he knows is coming, and that's a war. Right. And so, um, but Billy at the time is just ecstatic with the fact that this yeah, guy he just got, got him out stuff. of jail, <laughs> got him out of jail, bought him. It's like Christmas for him. He just bought him all this. Yeah. You know, he had had his gun confiscated when he went to jail. So he got a new six shooter Hell yeah. and all this nice clothes. And he's getting he got paid a new a rifle, too. Yeah, he's getting fed well. He's getting paid a dollar a day, and he's learning cowboy. And I, that's yep. a, that's another thing about uh, about Tunstall is that he didn't look down on Billy the way a lot of other men did, and, and that he let him do cowboy and he even treated at his Billy size. like an adult. He did, yeah, even at seventeen or whatever he was. Was he eight, say, 17, 18 right now? Yeah. So this is the one that we talked about. We talked about all these older men influencing Billy, kind of looking at it as like a father figure, and most of yeah. them were, were terrible influences. This is the one Tunstall. This is like. He finally has a guy that he can actually appreciate that's not right. bringing him into crime. You I know, guess he can earn an honest living. Yeah, he can. He can. But regardless of Tunstall's intentions, I think he definitely he definitely liked Billy. He treated him the oh, best yeah. for sure. It seems treated like him it. with respect. If you believe the book he, we read, yeah, and most of the accounts of this situation, and like this is where the the movie Young Guns. This is really the plot. Mm-hmm. It's Tunstall's in it. You know, there's somebody right. that depicts Tunstall, and this is where. 
You mm-hmm. know, if you've seen Young Guns, that's what, is what we're talking about. Pressure is mounting basically in Lincoln County because Tunstall's come in and now Murphy and Dolan, Dolan's store is failing. It's so bad that they even say, like, we've had, like, one sale this week because he's just offering all the same shit at a better price. Right. And so they go to Sheriff Brady, the guy that they elected to be sheriff, mm-hmm. and that's where it pays off. On the old when you payroll. Own, when you own the sheriff, you can have him do things like go over to old Tunstall's store and shut it down. Yes. He comes in with some whatever piece of paper that says, I can take all your shit and uh, your inventory is now mine. And Tunstall's basically saying this isn't the end of this. There's a showdown inside Tunstall's store. Right. Um, and they basically seize all of his uh, merchandise. And in the, I've seen one documentary where um, Brady's like sitting down behind Tunstall's desk at, at his own chair and like drinking. He grabs a bottle of whiskey off his shelf and he's like, this is mine now. And just starts drinking. And it's oh like, my Jesus. God. What an ass. Right. So they shut down Tunstall's store. And another notable character was uh, lawyer Alexander McSween, um, who is now working for Tunstall, who is actually... He was working with Murphy and Dolan for a while there, so there was a weird thing there. Where There's a lot of side switching in this story. There is. It's kind of hard to keep up with sometimes. Yeah, and you'll see with Jesse Evans where he was he was part of the boys and he was riding, you know. Yeah, but like, like we Billy the Kid earlier. was riding with Jesse Evans and then they end up on opposite sides of this war that's coming down right here. Right, right. Because <clears throat> he's in the pocket of, well, Jesse Evans is in the pocket of the, uh, the Dolan and Murphy yeah. gang. So, But in all fairness, Billy's in the pocket of Tunstall as well. Exactly. So it's all, <laughs> it all depends on how you look at it. Yeah. It seems like, really, there's two Irish businessmen that are trying to take over everything, and then mm-hmm. there's this British businessman that comes in and tries to take anything. We're looking at it from right. Billy the Kid's perspective, so it seems like Tunstall's the good guy. But he would probably end up having the sheriff in his pocket eventually yeah, and be doing the same things once he got to power. Because there, there was a quote in the book where he was telling – Young Billy, the kid, like, I intend on, there's a lot of money well, money being made out here, and I intend on getting a doll, like, half of all of it, so. Exactly. Yeah, so he had he had selfish motives as well, but but he's also, the free market was playing in his favor here, because he had And he hasn't done anything wrong. And he, yeah. He hasn't done anything yeah. wrong. I mean, he's, yeah, this is uh, capitalism at work, as this right. country is built on, so. <clears throat> so, yeah. It wasn't enough that they shut down Tunstall's store. Um, Murphy and Dolan then decided to have nine riders and gunmen sent out to find Tunstall and basically kill him. Yeah, there was no negotiation. Yeah, there wasn't really... The, the plan was not go out there and scare him. It was go out there and kill him. Which is crazy because Tunstall hadn't made any moves here. Right. No, and he really didn't even... I mean... I mean, all he said was, you haven't heard the end of this. I mean, that could have just been the, a legal battle. The book made it sound like he pretty much... under like He kind of saw it coming as far as I'm shutting down his story, expected it, but yeah. he wasn't He wasn't going to give up on that. He was going to buy a lot of land and a lot of cattle and all this stuff. He had all these business plans. I think, yeah, I think even he didn't think they would go to this extent this early. And you can tell that by his actions and, you know, when he when he meets up. He didn't realize how ruthless yeah, the exactly. West was yet. You right. know, he didn't realize it until it was too late and he was dead. Yeah. So he's out cruising around on his property, and uh, Billy, Billy's out there, and, and all of his guys are out there. But uh, Jesse Evans, along with eight other riders, roll up on uh, on John Tunstall riding around on his property. Right, and they come. He sees them coming, and he kind of approaches them. As he rides a, up to them. Yeah, not knowing yeah. you know they're here to kill him. Right, and they immediately shoot him off his horse, shoot him in the chest, or whatever. He yep. falls onto the ground. They walk up and execute him, shoot him right in the head. And Billy's just out of range to be able to do anything about it and yep. knows that if he goes riding up there, he's a dead man too. Right. It's just he was him outnumbered. and Dick Brewer at the him time. Him and Dick Brewer it. stood up on a hillside and watched their yeah. employer and their friend get executed. 
Right. And they even went as far as to kind of make a mockery of Tunstall, um, his body. They, they kind of a, a, arranged it in a way that where it looked like he was sleeping. They put like his folded up his, his uh, Didn't they put saddle the, blanket and like put it underneath his head. Yeah, they put the horse stuff on under him and then they put his stuff under the horse. Oh, and they shot his horse as they, well. They killed his horse as well. Just to add yeah. insult to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, and they made it look like he was sleeping with his horse there or whatever. Right. It was pretty twisted. Now, this spawned uh, just an insane amount of violence and death, which would end up being called the Lincoln County War. So the two sides, now they, they actually make it clear, like there is sides. Like it's basically what happens is the Dolan faction that was allied with Lincoln County Sheriff Brady um, and, and supported by the Jesse Evans gang. So now right. you got uh, Billy and Jesse on opposite sides. Right. So not only are they working within the law, now they can work outside the law because they have, all the, they have yep. this gang in their pocket as well. Now the Tunstall and McSween faction organized their own posse, Tunstall being dead now, but McSween was the lawyer that uh, Tunstall had working for him and he had a lot of money. And mm-hmm. basically the group, including Billy the Kid, Dick Brewer, who was actually a, a uh, constable, for the U.S. at the time, right, and Deputy U.S. Marshal Robert A. Widenman, 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 and also supporting them, this is kind of more financial backing, was a large ranch owner named John Chisholm, who owned more than one hundred thousand head of cattle, um, and he claimed that he was going to he was they so this group they formed the opposite yeah. side from Mer- Dolan and Murphy, they decided to call themselves the Regulators because they felt that there was no law. They were, the, the law was dirty, right. and, and it was they were going to regulate. They were going to clean up the swamp, so to speak. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. <clears throat> and so um, this John Chisholm, who had this big cattle ranch and had been friends with Tunstall, um, was also pissed off to see that they murdered Tunstall like that and decided to help the uh, regulators right. financially and said that he was going to pay the regulators $5 a day. However, we would find out later that he was full of shit. He didn't pay him anything? No. He ended up never paying them, and he screwed over Billy the Kid many ways later on. Oh, I remember John Chisholm. Yes. But they he used was to st- not quite a man of his word, But they guy. still stole his, stole his cattle and shit, so fuck yeah. him. Yeah, exactly. After the regulators were uh, deputized by Lincoln County Justice of Peace, together with Constable Martinez, they attempted to serve the legally issued warrants on Tunstall's murder. So Billy the Kid actually worked as a deputy along with with uh, Dick Brewer and other people, and they actually had warrants for the arrest of the people responsible for killing Tunstall. Right. And so they go and try to um, follow up on these. They bring these warrants to try and go get them, and of course they're immediately laughed at by uh, Sheriff Brady, who pretty much rips them up in front of his face and has them arrested because it's his town and he's doing what he wants. (laughs) He doesn't give a shit what this piece of paper says. Think you're going to arrest somebody? Now you're arrested. And he (laughs) actually goes as far as to have Dick Brewer's constable status revoked and basically makes them into just schmucks. How dare he? <laughs> Dick Brewer was like kind of a stand-up guy through this whole oh, thing. Oh, totally. Like never traded Good sides. looking bastard. Did you look up his photo? Appar- apparently he was. Anytime that uh, Billy the Billy the Kid was, Billy the kid uh, did real well with the ladies unless Dick Brewer was around. And then he was just stealing all the attention. <laughs> In comparison. Uh... He was a little older. You know, he had to, he actually could grow facial hair. <laughs> right. He had that rugged cowboy Michael's looking look. him up right now. Wait for I, the verdict. I totally am. I'm going to get drum roll Let's going. See. We can tell when a guy's good looking. Okay. Okay. Good looking guy, right? Yeah. He was played by Charlie Sheen in something. Charlie Sheen was a good looking guy back in the day. This is 88 that Young Guns was filmed, so or, or was actually released. Dick so Brewer is a pretty cool looking dude, man. All right. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty, I do. He's got some cool hair, too. So after they brought those uh, warrants and tried to have to serve the warrants, Sheriff Brady laughed, laughed at him, ripped him up, and actually had uh, Martinez and his deputies 
uh, arrested in defiance of their status. <laughs> that's that's crazy. It's yeah, it's so lawless, dude. I right. mean, it, it it's I would say lawless, but that's not even the right term. It's like there's laws, but it's just what they want them to be. The laws don't make any sense. You really can't blame them. I mean, because with the regulators, these are the guys that have the skills, they have the talents to stand up to them, right? Uh-huh. And if they don't, nobody else is going to. And so, like, you almost can't blame them for taking a little bit of extra here and there because yeah. they're like, well, if we didn't, if we weren't doing this, they would take all your shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, like, mm-hmm. they had the backing of all these people, even though they were doing some things, like you said, that were, right. you know, maybe a few people, innocent people, got hurt, or they took, were stealing cattle from hardworking people or whatever. But yeah. at the same time, that I think they felt like that was the taxes that were owed to them in a way. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. At this point, and it's like you almost, you almost can't blame them without them there. Everything is that's a that's a fucking dictatorship. Thing. Absolutely, yeah. And so this is all going down just after Tunstall's murdered. They try to serve these warrants. They end up in jail, and and Sheriff Brady would have them held in jail just long enough to where they missed Tunstall's funeral, and he did that on purpose. They missed bitch. his burial, yeah. And so they, they he did that just as a a spite thing to them. Um, and so on March 6, eighteen seventy eight, the regulators are back out, and they spot some members of the Dolan Murphy gang. While they're out riding and they take them, they, they basically have like a little shootout. They get the upper hand and they have them in their custody. Their names right. were Frank Baker and uh, the other guy's name was Morton. I don't know his first name, um, but they have them in their custody and they promise them they're not going to, they're not going to hurt them. They're just going to bring them back and, and have them locked up and bring them to justice. Billy's right. kind of, ref- he doesn't want to do Billy's that. Not feeling he knows that. these guys are going to immediately, Sheriff Brady's going to get them out exactly. and they're going to be fighting for the other side again. And they're just going to have to end up killing these guys later or they're going to get killed. Right. You're putting them right back in the hands of the men that employ them. You're not bringing them to justice. No. There is no justice. There's no because, justice here. Yeah. Except de- for death. The other side you're fighting owns the law. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so on the road back, it ended up working out in, in Billy's favor anyway, because on the ride back to town, uh, Morton, one of the two that they had in custody, Tried to reached, slick. reached for one of the regulator's guns. A guy named McCloskey, who was on the regulator's side, got a hold of McCloskey's gun, and when McCloskey reached to grab back from Morton, M- Morton executed him, shot him under the chin, and killed him, which spawned Damn. the rest of the regulators to... Oh, Billy Return was the like, favor. give me a motherfucking reason. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Frank Banker jumps off his, uh, jumps off a horse and tries to escape. Yeah. And Billy the Kid shoots him five times in the back as he's running away. Damn, that must have been badass. Right? All in the same hole. Yeah, all in the same hole. <laughs> just kept getting wider and wider. <laughs> fucking heart just fell out his chest. <laughs> Put it in a doggy bag, like Dumb and Dumber. And yeah. Did it to him. <laughs> Still beating. Right. Now, there's a lot of uh, controversy to that because the other side says that this was Billy the Kid's doing, that he, he was just so hell-bent on killing. Uh, yeah. Killing the Mort- documentary, if I'm not mistaken, really made Billy It's a controversial moment way. in the Billy the Kid story because a lot of people think that Baker and Morton were just were just killed by Billy and that McCloskey was kind of, had been previously friends with the two. Yeah. And they had to kill McCloskey because he refused to, to be a part of it. Right. And tried to, like, save his friends and so they killed him too, but... It just doesn't Here's sound like that doesn't sound right to me. If somebody was just trying to do the right thing and you're in your gang, you don't shoot them up through the chin. You don't shoot one of your own. You know what I mean? Just because like saying, he disagrees like, with you killing his friends or whatever. I don't know. It, it's, yeah. it's I don't. I don't think so. It's very likely that the one of those two were would would take a, a shot at grabbing. How do you think they grabbed the gun though? You think that guess well, they got if out of the tie? Surely they tied their hands. If McCloskey was formerly friends with them and still kind of had like a a thing like a he was buddy buddy with them even yeah. when they were taking him into custody he might have been close enough and let his guard down enough to let one uh, of those two grab his gun i could see that happening 
I don't know. Who knows? I mean, either either way, you know what, though? two of the other side are dead, and one of the regulators are dead, and we never really, really know the truth of what happened there. Wait a minute. I just got a revelation. If, okay, so if this way happened, if Morton shot McCloskey, but Morton and McCloskey were somewhat close, if you get your hands on a gun, you're riding in the back, why would you shoot McCloskey? Why not shoot Billy? Somebody who definitely hates your ass. Why would you not shoot one of them? Well, because he was reaching for the gun. They were. Fi- it sounds like they were kind of like maybe side by side on a horse. And, and okay, so he didn't. And McCloskey sneak it tried out. to get the gun back, and he had to shoot him to get away with the gun. Okay, well maybe. I mean, who knows? I mean, like I said, that's why this is a point of controversy. Because, because if it's the other way around, I'm thinking, well, shit, maybe maybe Billy did just want to kill him. Yeah, and maybe he'd be smart for wanting to do that yeah. because it's, like we said... They're he just, would be very smart for wanting to do that. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're taking, say, POWs, say, in, a, in war, right? You you capture some uh, some soldiers from the other side. You don't yeah. immediately return them so they can you fight against you You take them to again. the other side. <laughs> That's what was going to happen. Like, you have to... They were bringing them to, to so-called justice, but that just meant that they were going to be immediately released from jail exactly. and put back at the other side, handed a gun and, you know... Yeah, probably better armed than they were. Right. So either way, you can see why Billy would do it if that's what happened. But uh, I mean, there's two, yeah, different, not there's two different stories. I just think it's odd that he would shot McCloskey <clears throat> if if there was no fight. Yeah. Now the, the the county judge was even in cahoots with Sheriff Brady. I feel like we have to mention that um, the constable status of the regulators members had been revoked. And on April first, eighteen seventy eight, Billy and several other regulators um, were holed up in Tunstall store in town when Sheriff William Brady was searching for the killers of his deputies. This is where mm-hmm. Billy gets his revenge. Now, Billy hated Sheriff Brady with a freaking vengeance. He, yeah. he hated him so much because of what he had seen. Basically, I mean, Brady wasn't there when Tunstall got killed, but he had ordered it. Yeah, He had basically given the okay to go ahead and do it with his badge backing it. Yeah, And so he held him more responsible than even the guy that pulled the trigger, Jesse Evans. And also, Brady was one of the main puppets of uh, Dolan and Murphy. Mm-hmm. So oh, I think absolutely. I think it's killing him the way that they did sends a message. Felt like maybe it would bring it's some like, new law to the town. They yeah. could actually get a fair sheriff, maybe, or somebody less. And it also it also makes thing. the next sheriff think it twice. Like, right. hmm, whose side do I want to be? That on? being said, no matter um, how dirty a sheriff it is, it takes some balls to to do what they did. Oh hell yeah! So Sheriff Brady and a few of his deputies are walking down the road in town, and held up in the uh, Tunstall store or the former Tunstall store that got shut down, are the regulators, including Billy the Kid. And they knew the kind of the routine of Sheriff Brady and their deputies. They knew yeah. like around this time they would usually walk down this road or whatever. And they had their guns held, you know, propped up on walls and everything oh, and just yeah. lit them up. Killed Sheriff Brady right there in the street and oh, his deputies. Gunfire. Yeah. He was like Swiss cheese, I imagine. Yeah. He was tore up. Yeah. Yeah, so they ambushed, killing Sheriff Brady and mortally wounding his uh, deputy Hinman. And Billy, Billy took the fall for that. He and also, Billy took, walked out and stood over yeah. Sheriff Brady, and in doing so, he actually took a stray shot from uh, one of the other uh, members of the other side yeah, and took a leg. shot to the leg. Yeah, and uh, he actually almost got he almost got dealt with during this whole thing because obviously the other members of the regulators fled after this happened mm-hmm. during the chaos, and Billy couldn't get away very well because he had been shot in the leg and like, right. through and through bad wound in his thigh and he went to uh somebody he knew was friendly with their side and hid under the floorboards of their house as brady's men looked for the uh shooters (laughs) and were looking for billy the kid specifically and actually hid under floorboards with a hole in his leg and once they left the the people that um let him hide in there stitched his leg up and used uh kerosene 
yeah. to clean out the wound. It was just like, oof, it's a different time, man. Yeah, tough different time, that's for sure. <laughs> there was, yeah, there was like some dialogue there where he looked at one of the one of the uh, women that was helping to get stitched up with him. He's like, did I wince a little? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. <laughs> I God, I would hope so. I know. If right? not, you're not even man. That's probably what he was wondering. Right. <laughs> then took so many lives, man, seeing if you could still feel or not, you know. Yep. This leads us to the next battle in the war, the Lincoln County War, which was something called the Battle of Blazer's Mill. Three days after the murders of Brady and Hinman, the regulars, regulators headed southwest from the area around Lincoln, reaching Blazer's Mill, which was a sawmill and trading post um, and a beef supplier. Um, they came upon the rancher Buckshot Roberts. He was listed uh, on their arrest warrant as one of the people who was there during Tunstall's murder. Now, Buckshot yeah. Roberts, he lives up to his name because this guy was a tough... <laughs> S-O-B. I was about to say, anybody with the nickname Buckshot. Dude, Buckshot Roberts almost single-handedly <laughs> took out the regulators. This dude, he is still legendary for this shootout that happens at this Blazer's Mill. Um, they basically, they were like all inside this building. The, I don't know if it's some kind of a restaurant. It's a you know, trading post place. I'm sure it was like they probably could feed you there. And It sounded like it was some kind of a dining area yeah. that they approached Buckshot, and he's refusing to go in quietly. And he basically, uh, he's asked to walk outside and immediately gun, gunfire erupts. It's a oh, shootout. Yeah. And he is getting the better of them. In the ensuing yeah. shootout, the regulators mortally wounded Roberts, but he killed Brewer, Dick Brewer. Good looking Dick Brewer, who we were just yep. looking up, gets a shot to the head. He's gone. Headshot and Those dies. Curly locks. Dies immediately. Um, Buckshot also wounded Middleton, Skurlock, Coe, and McCarthy. Yeah. During this, and, and he put a hurting on him for sure. Yeah, did a lot of damage, um, and so that was a costly battle in the war for the regulator side, and they lost one of the, one of the leaders of their gang, and Dick Brewer. Yeah, absolutely. And a, a good friend of uh, Billy the Kid, and, and Billy at a certain point, like he started to feel like he was cursed, like everyone that got close to him mm-hmm. would end up dead. You know. Well, I mean, it's just a, much it's like just... Jesse from Breaking Bad, who you brought up, could play him. Similar type oh, thing. Everyone yeah. he got close to just kept. He would he would fall Man. you know become really great friends with somebody or fall in love with somebody and it would right. just end badly. That's right. Um, this leads us to the next battle in the war for Lincoln, the Battle of Lincoln. <laughs> 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 Little on the nose there. Uh, yeah, yeah. On July nineteenth, eighteen seventy eight, McSween and his supporters, including Billy the Kid, were besieged by a new sheriff, George Pippin. So obviously Brady, Sheriff Brady's out. He's dead. They yep. bring in this new uh, sheriff, George Pippin, and of course, one of his biggest promises is to take out the regulators, the guys that killed the former sheriff. Right. That's that's everybody's campaign. This slogan. happens a few times in this story where new sheriffs yeah. roll in and they're like, "I'm going to take care of this Billy the Kid character I and all of his to bandits." Regulate the regulators. <laughs> <laughs> right. And basically, the um, the regulators are held up at McSween. We talked about that that uh, rich lawyer that had been um, working with Tunstall and was a part of the. Uh, he was supporting the regulators, and it was his his property. He had a, a large home, obviously a successful lawyer at the time. Right. And the regulators were held up at McSween's house. And this new sheriff, George Pippin, and a group of his men, backed by the army, believe it or not. Yeah. They roll in with a cannon. This this was a huge deal and, at this time, to get the army involved yeah. in this state affair. And they they basically put a siege around McSween's house. And this is absolute chaos. Like, there's this big standoff that, it, that occurs... I, I want to say it's a day or two long where mm-hmm. they're just taking shots back and forth. They're, they're a little bit out of distance. Right. And there's all these threats of using the cannon. And at a certain point, a fire happens. They set fire to the <laughs> house. And it's very much like Waco in a sense where yeah. do, do people, so like members of the regulators are getting shot if they try to step outside. Right, right. 
Um, I was just imagining real quick, like you said, it could have, it may have been two days. That'd be really funny if it was, and they were out there still threatening with the cannon. Like after two right. days, <laughs> it's like use it already. <laughs> I damn swear it. I'll use this cannon. <laughs> I got the fire right here. I'm about to set light to this damn wick. <laughs> Where the hell is dancing with them damn cannonballs? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, one of the one of the people that uh, were shot dead as as they came out of the house was Alexander McSween, the owner of the home. Yeah, unarmed, unarmed, of course. Yeah, executed him, and really they they wanted Billy the Kid more than anybody. Yeah. Um, now they end up setting fire to his house, and Billy the Kid and Jim French assess their situation and figured out a way by uh, to escape by using pistol fire as cover and running out. So Billy and a few of these regulators are running out, and basically the 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 men um, on the other side see him and start shooting at him. Right. Um, in the in that craziness, one of the people that shot is McSween's law, law partner Harvey Morris. He's killed, and uh, Billy, of course, gets away because that's what Billy does. That's what Billy hops does. on a horse and he's out of there. Following hey, the McSween, um, wasn't he young too? Well, there was one guy. Seems like this, everybody in this story is no, young. They didn't make no, it to a lot. I mean, age. there was one guy in this in this shootout that uh-huh. got killed. It might have been Harvey Morris. Uh huh. That was mistaken for Billy a lot, and they yeah. actually thought they, they got kept, Billy. That happens a lot in this story. It happens yeah. again later where they siege Billy and some supporters, and they keep shooting people that they think is Billy. That's him. Get him, and they just kill him. Yeah, and they go, oh, "It's not him." Nope. Keep just you know. Just I wondered, keep doing what you're doing. I wondered though if Billy recruited these young guys that looked like him. Hey, about my son. <laughs> you know, like put his hat on top of him, kind of turn it sideways. Yeah, you you'll do. Come I'd on. Like to think Billy'd be a little better than that. That's pretty fucked up. <laughs> You're just going to be cannon fodder for me? <laughs> well. <laughs> you look about my height, I'll, I'll sacrifice you to the cause. High. Here, try on my shirt and run out there and say, hey. <laughs> say, I'm, hey, Billy, the, I'm Billy the kid. <laughs> yeah, let me hear you say it. Let's rehearse. <laughs> <laughs> right, so he escapes, um, and following the battle, Billy returned to a life of drifting around and stealing horses again, knowing that basically the regulators had most of the, the good soldiers, the regulators had been taken out. Yeah, and the ones that were left could not believe that he was still going to do crime at right. this point. Or that he was going to stay in the area. They, stay, yeah. the, the regulators that were left had like this meeting on a hillside. Right. And they said, all right, you know, one of them would say, I'm going to this state. The yeah, other I'm one done. would say, I'm going to this state. I'm, I'm getting the hell out of here. And Billy said, he, I'm staying here. This is where my, this is my home. Yeah. I'm going to still be a living. New Mexico is where my heart is. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he returns to the same old thing, stealing horses and doing his thing, drifting around. Um, now, Billy and three other survivors of the Battle of Lincoln were near the Mescalero Indian Agency when the agency bookkeeper Morris Bernstein was murdered on August 5th, 1878. Now, this is one, just another murder that Billy was blamed for. He got to the point where he had so much notoriety and his name was in the newspapers all the time. And there was obviously, yeah. who do you think owned the newspapers at the time? Most likely Dolan and Murphy. They oh, owned everything. Course. And so, of course, they're going to make him out to be this villainous, murderous, they're all but right in the bloodthirsty. Like they're putting all these pictures of him, like shooting bartenders and just, yeah. any, you know, they just make him out to be a guy that will just shoot you and not even care, just right. whatever. Completely unjustified. And so he, um, he's actually, Billy's in the area to go visit the grave of Dick Brewer when this guy gets killed. And they just basically blame it on Billy because he was seen in the area with some of his guys. Right. Pretty much um, that was August fifth, eighteen seventy eight. Pretty much anybody of notoriety that was on on that side, the side of the house, right. if you will, is what they called it. You know, the, on the Irishman side, like anybody that was of notoriety that died was Billy's fault. Yeah, he just kept throwing these charges on him. I mean, who else? Who's going to say no? Right. And so him and the three people that he was with were indicted for the for the murder. 
um, despite conflicting evidence that Bernstein had been killed by Constable Antencio Martinez. So they actually had, like, they really looked into it. There was a guy that had the motive and was there in the area as well. Um, it, so was, it was me, senor. It Billy was, was never... <laughs> no, Billy. no, 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 no. Get out of here. I'm we all know it is a damn Billy the Kid again <laughs> doing his thing. You're just trying to cover for him, Martinez. Get on out of here. Yeah. Um, Billy was, uh, was never convicted of this because there was, in fact, no evidence. Hmm, shocker. Now, in around November of 1878, Billy returns to Lincoln County. He's tired of running his whole life. He wants to stay in New Mexico, and he wants to kind of maybe uh, get rid of the, all this tension that's going on. And he, he, thoughts may, right. he thinks maybe if he goes to his enemies um, and offers kind of a peace treaty that, that, that we can put all this behind as this war has costed a lot of lives on both sides right. and wants to end it. And he thinks maybe the other side might feel the same way. So on February 18th of, ni- of 1879, um, Billy meets up with, with Jesse Evans in Lincoln to propose a, tra- a truce. Um, a peace treaty is formed. And both sides uh, forget their differences. They, inside some of the things in the peace treaty were like that they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't uh, give information about the other's wrongdoings to law enforcement. Uh-huh. That they wouldn't kill each other. That they wouldn't uh, kill any of their fr- each other's friends or anything like that. So it's right. basically an overall just a peace treaty. Yeah, just, let's see how long that lasts. All right, right, all right. <laughs> Later that evening, <laughs> the party of men come across after just making the peace treaty. Yeah. They come across Susan McSween's attorney, Houston Huston Chapman, just a normal guy. Mm-hmm. He's walking down the street. I believe he just come from the doctor. He had like a wrap around his head. Yeah. He's just minding his business. The kid stood uh, by watching uneasily as Evans and his men harass and then shoot the attorney in the head, killing him in the street. No reason whatsoever. It's, 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 it's almost just... as if they were sending a message to Billy like, none of this means shit. Like this peace treaty we just did. We're, we're madmen. Maybe. Because Billy was right there. Yeah. I, I don't think Billy thought this was going to go this far. I think he was shocked at this. Oh, of course. I think he, he, really he was, was scared shitless by it. He acted cool yeah. in the moment, and he actually went and had a drink with him right after they shot that guy because he really knew he didn't have any other. If he just like tried to act like, what the fuck are you guys doing? They'd kill him too right there. Yeah. And so he went and had a drink with him, and he looked for his opportunity. If he was like, whoa, look at the sun. I got to get out of here. To get the hell out of there. <laughs> and so well, what they did was they told him, well, you need to go make it look like he pulled, he drew on us first. Go put yeah. this. They gave Billy a revolver to go put in that dude's hand that was laying dead in the street still. Hmm. And that was, chance, that was Billy's chance to get away. He took the revolver, told him he was going to go do that. And then he just ran off, jumped on his horse, and got the fuck out of there. Then he, um, knowing that basically what had happened was just recently before that, a new governor had been put in place. A governor, a governor named Lou Wallace was now the governor of uh, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And Billy thought maybe this is an opportunity to get on law enforcement's better side if he couldn't, if this peace treaty thing wasn't going to work out. He needed to find a new angle at this. Right. And he's also got a newfound um, anger towards Dolan and Murphy for their be, their gang's behavior doing things like this. And so he writes a letter to Governor Lou Wallace, states he's willing to surrender and testify against Chapman's killers for a pardon. By doing this, he breaks the treaty with Evans and Dolan, which in that treaty means it's punishable by death. They could kill him. But they had already broken the, the treaty, in my opinion, by just killing. Uh, yeah. I guess, I mean, it, it, it wasn't really part of the treaty. They killed a random stranger. It wasn't really a, me- a member of either side. Um, but they did that. No, like it's almost like they, it was like a loophole in their treaty. And they, that's why they did it. It seems like, you know what I mean? I guess so. Just to kind of like, okay, yeah, we're not going to kill we didn't anybody say you we, know. But yeah, we didn't say we wouldn't we just won't. kill random people in the street, though. Yeah. Um, the governor writes back to the kid telling him that he would meet for him, meet with him to discuss the terms. In closing, he writes, if you can trust Jesse Evans, you can trust me. Well, that doesn't mean shit. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Okay, and then on March 17th, 1879, the kid and the governor meet and arrange an arrangement is made. If the kid submits to a fake arrest and testifies in court against Dolan, Evans, and Colonel Dudley, uh, he would be pardoned, according to this governor. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the governor, governor, he was put there in charge to kind of get clean up this area, clean up Lincoln County. Yeah. He didn't want to be there, um, but he knew that there was this big war that had gone down, and that's why the old governor was... Um, basically uh, uprooted and he was put in place and he just wanted to get in there, clean this up and get the hell out of there. Yeah. And so he sold Billy down the river, not giving a shit what happened to Billy. Just no. trying he's basically gets twofer. He gets, Billy's going to put away all these guys by testifying against them. And then he's just going to walk away and let Billy get tried as well. Cause he knew that. Exactly. It, That's it, how you clean it up. Yeah. You're the ax man. Like he's just, he don't give a shit. Right. And so um, on March 21st, 1879, the kid and Tom O'Folliard are arrested and brought to Lincoln. The kid testifies, like he said, in court against Chapman's murders. Um, he testifies against Colonel Dudley for his involvement in the siege at McSween's home, where all those innocent people were killed, including McSween himself. And uh, after three months of, uh, in jail, the kid had enough. He kept his, his end of the bargain, and there was no pardon for him. Um, basically, they decided they were going to try him as well. He testifies against these people. The governor leaves goes back to where he came from yeah. and doesn't doesn't follow through on this pardon. Yeah. And so he's scheduled for trial for murder as well. Yeah, but of like Brady and all the other Right. But he's still fake arrested. So he can, right. he can pretty much just walk out. Like that's right. one, that's one thing they forgot. Right. Oh shit, did you put the real handcuffs on him? Oh god damn. That's another thing about Billy is like he had these tiny little dainty hands and wrists and like they really didn't make like boy cuffs back then. Right. <laughs> you just like you'll see a moment where they put these shackles on him and he just slides his little hands. Yeah, in right the out. documentary it was actually pretty it was actually pretty cool. Right. So he basically like, you weren't lying, it sounds silly, but he yeah. pretty much walked out of jail. Yeah. And um on eighteenth in October of eighteen seventy nine he goes back to rustling. Um and there's another moment that happens that would kind of add to the legend of Billy. Um, on January 10th, 1880, a drunk in Fort Sumner, he, he loved Fort Sumner. That was where he met his love. He was right. beloved by the Mexican population there in Fort Sumner. And so he's hanging out there and he's in a bar and, he, and this guy, Joe Grant, he's real drunk. Oh, yeah. This, this scene bar. in the book was so tense. And he starts calling around. I'm looking for... Uh, whatever Billy was going by at the he time. He was saying, William Bunny. I'm looking for William Bunny. Have you seen him? <laughs> he was saying it wrong. And the kid goes, I'm the kid. What do you want? And yeah. already has his hand on his gun. Like, what's, yeah. what's going on? Grant challenges the kid to a, du- a, a duel, basically. Draws on the kid first, but his gun goes click. Oh, yeah. Twice. Twice. He tries to shoot Billy, and Billy wastes him. Basically, oh, this dude. is where it said he put a couple holes right through the same hole. Just- Three headshots in the same spot. Boom, boom, boom. It looked like his head got with a shotgun. Right. And so, I mean, that, and then he, there's another moment where he looks around the bar like, that was justified, right? He tried to shoot me first type of thing. I feel like everybody's just still sitting around <clears throat> just drinking their beers. The music playing stopped cards. playing, but then as soon as the guy hits the floor, the music starts playing again. Everybody's, everybody's drinks back. Yeah. <laughs> piano player froze just long enough for the headshots and then back to playing the piano again. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and so uh, another notable moment, November 2nd, 1880, Pat Garrett uh, is elected sheriff of Lincoln County on a lot of promises to bring the kid to justice. Mm-hmm. Billy the Kid is going to be one of his high priorities, and that's one thing he promised to Dolan and company that he was going to do, and that's how he got elected. And people were shocked by uh, Pat Garrett getting elected, though. Because he was a nobody. That's he the thing. Is, like, you could become everything. sheriff. You could become sheriff back then. 
with zero law enforcement experience. And not, but not only that, like he didn't have anything, any successes in his life. He failed at everything. This was going to be it, man. Well, I guess it was. Hey, we're talking about him in freaking 2018. That's true. Well, he had the one, I guess. Right. Don't give up, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, maybe tomorrow's your day. You never know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? And so Pat Garrett is now, um, he's now sheriff, and he's going to basically make it his mission to capture and take down Billy the Kid. Um, on November 27th, 1880, the White Oaks Posse surrounds the kid, which I guess is Pat that, Garrett's that was crew. Garrett's posse. Yeah, yeah his, the White Oaks Posse. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it does sound cool. Uh, they surround his gang at a place called Great House Ranch. During a standoff, Deputy James Carlisle is accidentally killed by his own men. It's kind of funny how that happens. So they've, they've once again besieged Billy. He's in this little mm-hmm. shack out there. Right. And he's, he's with a few of his men, and they're, they're holding up in there. And um, they've actually got one of White Oak's posse's guys in there with them, and that's kind of their deal. They've got a hostage, Billy does. Yeah. And um, Pat Garrett's outside making demands. And the dude... Basically, one of the guys on the outside, one of Garrett's guys, accidentally shoots early, like prematurely shoots his gun off. Right. The guy that they have in captivity <laughs> gets hit. James James Carlisle, the deputy <laughs> that they're holding hostage, thinks it's a gunshot that went off inside the shack with Billy and the boys, yeah. tries to run, jumps out the window, and in a comedic moment, Pat Garrett and, and his uh, White Oaks posse just obliterate their own guy. God. Their own guy jumps out the window to try and escape, running at them, and they just light him up, thinking it's one of the one of Billy's guys. Uh, Billy should have gave him about six steps and then ran the other way. <laughs> right. So after the posse, um, they left the ranch, and the outlaws escape again. The kid is accused of the deputy's death, of course, even though it was yeah. nothing but their own bullets that right. riddled the guy. But as he would say, there's more about the killings than people know, you know, which was the case with most of Billy's killings, it seems. Right. He just kept getting attributed with all these murders. And granted, he did kill some people. Yeah, he could But they had it coming. (laughs) On December 12, 1880, the kid writes to Governor Wallace, pleading once again for his innocence and concerning the Deputy Carlisle killing and wrestling activities in the territory, you know, that he said he swears he didn't have anything to do with. Right. Um, Sheriff Garrett and his posse begin the hunt for Billy the Kid. The governor puts out a $500 reward for the kid's capture on December 15, 1880. And December 19th in Fort Sumner, Billy's, Billy's favorite place, Garrett and his posse <laughs> ambushed the kid and his gang. This time, one of Billy's owns killed, Tom O'Foyer, but Billy and the rest get away again. But it wouldn't be long before the sheriff's back on his tracks. They track the kid on December 23rd, 1880, right around Christmas time, to a rock house in Stinking Springs. They surround this house. They have no water, no food. Billy and the kid and some and others are held up in this place, and they've got them surrounded. And they really don't have any options, they realize pretty quickly that they can pretty much starve them out. Yeah. Like Sheriff and, and his guys are out there cooking steaks and they can smell them in the house and they have no food. And like 24 hours later, they're, they really pretty much have no options and they, they decide um, that they're going to surrender. But not before one of Billy's own is killed. Um, Charlie Bowdry had, appear in the, had appeared in the door at one point and the sheriff proclaiming, that's Billy, kill him. Basically, <laughs> once had, again, had one of Billy's guys shot. Yep. Charlie Bowdry dead right there in the in the doorway, and um, Billy, realizing they were out of options, surrendered, waving a white um, handkerchief out the window. Right, and so the lawman, um, new sheriff, finally um, made a name for himself. You know, he may have had a lot of failures in the past, yep. but he's the one who caught Billy the kid, and news got out that they were bringing him into justice. And and by the time they got to town. The whole town was surrounded, waiting to see this legendary Billy the Kid caught. 
Yeah. And, you know, there were, he was said, he even had a quote, Billy said that he was happy that they could at least see him for um, at least half human or something because he, he was like this monster, portrayed as like a monster in the, yeah, in the newspapers. Yeah, well, in the newspapers and stuff, yeah. Yeah, so the lawmen brought their prisoners back to Fort Sumner. The posse then loaded up the prisoners in a wagon and headed for Las, ne- Las Vegas, New Mexico, yeah. not the real Oh, Vegas. not the real one. <laughs> yeah, the OG, but not the real one. Right, right. Um, and then on December 26, 1880, Garrett's posse and the prisoners arrive in Las Vegas. The town is curious, like we said. He's like, this, this, it's this big spectacle, Billy's arrival. Yeah. The next morning, Sheriff Garrett and his men take the prisoners to the, to the depot. They arrive in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where the prisoners are placed in jail. And I believe this at this point in Santa Fe, didn't they take him to the house? We talked about the house, which was uh, um, Dolan and Murphy's big where like their big uh, headquarters mm-hmm. and it got turned into like it had its own jail cells and everything. What does that tell you? Yeah, exactly. You know I mean, I think that's where he was being held, like yeah. awaiting trial and all that stuff. Oh, they weren't messing around with these little rinky dink jails anymore. Right. <clears throat> oh no, they knew what they had now. Yeah. They knew like the sheriff was warning all of his deputies like this is yeah. this guy will do anything to get away from don't you. Don't listen to him. Don't talk don't to him. Don't let your guard down. Don't. Yeah. And they probably should have listened to Sheriff Garrett. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so the kid arrived, uh, writes to Governor Wallace once again um, on January 1st, 1881, um, and he wants Wallace to come down and see him. The governor is out of town, and nothing comes of it. So the governor's gone. Yeah, oh yeah. Like he's, we said, I yeah, mean, he made empty promises time. to him, threw, sold him down the river, got yeah. what he wanted. It worked out in his favor. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Um, on March 2nd, getting impatient, the kid wrote another note to the governor. No reply again. Time's running short, and the kid writes his last note to the governor, but like all the rest, it was ignored. Um, he was then taken to the depot to be transported to La, La Masilia for trial. His trial for the killing of Buckshot Roberts commenced, and uh, the case was dismissed due to a technicality. Do you remember what that was? They said it in the book. I can't remember. There was some, some weird technicality to that one where he got off the hook as far as killing him. But he wasn't actually the one that delivered the, the death blow. That's, what, that's the problem. It's this it's, big shootout. A bunch he of got riddled, there. so... You don't know. You can't pin it to one person, I think. I think yeah. that was the main thing here. Yeah, so he gets off on the buckshot, Roberts. The second trial commenced for the killing of Sheriff Brady. He's found guilty, of course, of first-degree murder, and it's kind of hard to argue with that one. He did pretty much blatantly murder Sheriff Brady Yeah, for good reason, in our opinion, but, right, right. I mean, that doesn't really matter to the law. Um, Judge Warren Bristol sentenced Bonnie to hang, Bonnie being the kid. Right. Out of all the men who killed during the Lincoln County War, the kid was the only one to ever be convicted and punished. The few that were tried in court were all acquitted or pardoned, which says something about they had this hard-on for Billy the Kid. Yeah. Especially the sheriff who wanted to bring him to justice to make a bigger name for himself. Exactly. He was sentenced to be hanged on May 13th between the hours of 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. of 1881. And approaching the time, he's he's being... (laughs) Right, 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Maybe sometimes he... If your neck doesn't snap right away, you can Jesus Christ! Like it's, I don't think it takes that long. Hanging there, kicking around for a while. Are you just standing there. Maybe I'm going to pull it. Do Maybe I'm going to pull the lever. Maybe I'm going to pull it. Maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> torture. I'm sure there's some of that oh, that happens. Shit. Yeah. Um, on April 21st, 1881, he arrives in Lincoln and is jailed in the courthouse. He was held under guard on the top floor of the town courthouse. This is where it was. It was back in Lincoln, of course, where Dolan and Murphy's the house. Yeah. Was where he was being held. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't in Santa Fe. It was in Lincoln. Right. On the evening of April 28th, 1881, this is a big evening. This is the most infamous night of Billy the Kid's life. This is where <laughs> this he is went awesome. from, like, I don't know, like, celebrity status, legendary, like, timeless status. Time is like forever. He, because, I mean, Sheriff knew what 
he had here. Mm-hmm. The deputies knew what they had. They knew that they had an infamous criminal who had escaped from jail many times. Right. And he was he was already sentenced to die, and they was in their custody, and he gets out again. <laughs> He's damn charming, apparently. It didn't have a whole lot to do. Well, I guess it, it started with charm. It does. Like it usually does. It lets their guard down. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't make them quite on the offensive. Yeah. So April 28th, 1881, while she, he, he was all about timing. That's what it was, man. Right. He just waited for the right opportunity. He kept cool after getting sentencing, being told he was going to die at this time and going, okay, we'll see. Okay. We'll right. see. Sitting over there with his little buck too small. We'll see if I'm there <laughs> when it comes time for that rope to be put around my neck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe trying to hang your I basket just a little be, higher than you can reach. <laughs> I may just be on vacation at that time. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that date's going to work for me. (laughs) Right. So April 28th, 1881, while Sheriff Garrett was away collecting taxes, like we said, waiting for the right moment, it was just a a slow night in the town. Deputy Bob Olinger was across the road. Um, He had taken other prisoners across the street for a meal, leaving um, Deputy James Bell alone with with, uh, Billy the Kid at the time. And and James Bell was the one deputy of the group that was kind of soft on him. He was kind of, he didn't really take any enjoyment out of this whole process. Yeah. He was cordial to, to Billy and Billy played on that. He really, he really did because if it was Bob Olinger, the guy that was across the street with the other prisoners eating dinner, he was tormenting Billy. He was, according to the book, he was taunting him about, you know, I wonder if you're going to piss yourself when you're hanging and all this stuff. And just, I wish you would make a move. He even like, remember he slid, the revolver over to Billy with a shotgun pointed at him and said, go ahead and try and pick it up. Yeah. You know, give me a reason type of thing. That was the guy that was across the street eating when Billy decided to make his move. Mm, real tough But guy. it was it was James Bell, much like the past with that sheriff that kind of let him do his exercise. Right. He played on this guy's soft, soft spot. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Billy asked him to be taken outside to the outhouse behind the courthouse. Um, and, of course, um, he obliged. Um, so they walk down and they, on their return, they're heading up the stairs again. And Billy kind of picks up his pace as they're going back up the stairs into the building. And, uh, Bell's kind of going like, you know, slow down. What's your hurry? What's your hurry? He gets around the corner where the, the stairs make a turn. Yeah. And Billy had slid his hand out knowing that those, those, uh, shackles were too big for his small hands. Right. Slid one of his hands out. And as soon as Bell turns the corner, lays him out with the with the shackles. Right. And these are not these are not like today's handcuffs. I Busts don't his head open. Yeah. These are big thick these shackles. These are like U shaped bolts. Right. You know what I mean? Like I a U joint like on your yeah. freaking drivetrain. You know, yeah. like just this big <laughs> thick piece of steel. Yeah. Lights this guy up, his head's busted open, and according to the book, poor Bell's laying there like, why'd you do that, Billy? Yeah. <laughs> Billy, I thought we was friends. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm just doing my job, man. I, I unzipped your pants and everything, man. Right. I even held it for you when your cuffs were on. <laughs> Uh, so a scuffle ensues because Bell's not, he's not knocked out, but he's a, he kind of makes a lunge with his bloody head towards Billy. Yeah. Um, Billy grabbed Bell's revolver and shot him in the head, killing him. Uh, no, actually shot him in the back as Bell tried to run back down the stairs. Yeah. Um, basically executed him right yeah. there. That's the one I was talking about earlier in the episode where I'm like, you know, you said he always kind of had, yeah. granted his back was to he the got, wall. He, got he was going to die but... if he didn't get out of this situation. And but, he didn't agree with the, the fact that he was sentenced to death for killing Brady because of what Brady had done and all this. Right. Anyways, he killed an innocent man here. That guy, yeah. I mean, know, you he could was argue- just a deputy doing his job. He wasn't even rude or anything to Billy. He was good to him. But Billy was doing what he had to do to survive. Yeah, self He didn't really have any other point. options. Because yeah. if that guy runs out and starts screaming He's and makes tell it aware. somebody, yeah. Yeah. 
but Billy already assumed that the gunshot would be heard in the area, and it was it was obviously heard from across the street mm-hmm. by Olinger. And so yeah, he so he kills Bell, and he runs back up into the office and gets Olinger's own shotgun, his mm-hmm. his dual barrel twelve gauge shotgun, right. loads it up. And waited up in the upstairs window for Olinger to cross across the street, wondering where the what the commotion came from. And as he's walking across the street, Billy uh, calls out, "Look up, old boy, and see what you get." <laughs> and when Olinger looked up, Billy blew his head off with the oh shotgun, essentially. Yeah, he fired both barrels at the same time. He went both barrels around. to the head. Doof. Killing Bollinger immediately. He then made off on a horse and was gone. Remember what he said in the documentary, though? All those guys, all those historians all said he said the same thing, and it wasn't that. It was that that he said, Look up. Hi, Bob. Oh, hi, Bob. Right? That's right. Either one's pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) I like hi, Bob more. (laughs) Hey, Bob. You look up to the right down the barrel, man. Oh, God. Yeah. Bollinger's kind of sound like a piece of shit. He kind of had it coming. Yeah. Back then, everybody seemed like they had a bullet coming their way. That's true. Everybody <laughs> no matter did what. shady shit. It was just everybody a, was a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> so now Billy escapes this crazy situation. you think the first thing he would do would get far, far away from New Mexico, right? Like, I mean, he's he became, after this, he became almost world-renowned. Like, this was the moment. Like, he was already really, I mean, he everybody in New Mexico knew who he was oh, through yeah. the newspapers and even sprinkled about the country in different big major cities. Oh, hell yeah. They had heard the legend of Billy the Kid and how he was captured and all this stuff, the legendary, you know, Wild West gunman, mm-hmm. all this stuff. After he gets out of this, he's been sentenced to death and he kills two deputies and escapes on horseback. Like, it, there was, it, it, it made it to London. Like, it made the headlines in London and, like, he was known everywhere. Uh. But especially, you would think he would get the fuck out of New Mexico, and the one thing you wouldn't expect him to do go do would go exactly right back to where he they knew the first place he would go, Fort Sumner. Fort Sumner, yeah, where he had friends and family. But that's exactly why he went back. Well, not technically family, but people he looked at as though his family. You think he was just tired and was like, "Man, I'm just gonna die where I want to be." Kind of like so a salmon young. swimming back upstream to where yeah. they were born, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, he probably knew the end was near, and he just wanted to be close to. People that he loved. He didn't want to leave everyone. And it may have been a small part of him that thought maybe this is because it's so obvious they won't look for me here. I'll hide in plain sight type of thing. Hmm. Maybe. And he knew that the population... <laughs> but he was beloved by the population in Fort Sumner. It was the yeah, largely yeah. Hispanic population that looked at him as like as like their... He war- was one of them. He was. He was their soldier, like yeah. doing their work, the stuff that they couldn't do, fighting against the empire right? type of thing. And so he goes back there. But the biggest, probably the biggest reason... That he went back, and most people agree, was was a girl named Paulita, a, yeah. young, a young Mexican girl that he'd fallen for. She'd fallen in love with him, right. and he had on and off been reappearing back in Fort Sumner and having little, uh, you know, love affairs with her. Right, and she was always waiting for him, and he he could never be there too lo- be be there too long. He'd always be gone right when she's starting to get comfortable. Yep, and so he goes back right back where he came from. And while he was on the run, Governor Wallace placed a new $500 bounty on his head. But it took almost three months before Garrett finally decided to go check out Fort Sumner. Some some say that he was afraid to go actually go after Billy. Mm-hmm. And some say that Garrett just thought that was way too obvious, that he was getting reports 
that that Billy was in Fort Sumner. I think and he, he didn't was, believe him. He thought they were bogus. I think he was just doing his homework and studying Billy's uh, actions, movements. I, I think he was. He didn't want to try and come yeah, in too hot right away. Yeah. Wanted to let him get comfortable. He didn't he want knew to come Billy, up there guns blazing. He, he needed to do a sneak attack. He knew time. Billy's character. Billy yeah. always came back. He knew yeah. Billy would would show himself again because yeah. he, you know he had an ego. Billy liked to be the man. Yeah. And so he kind of waited it out. He waited three months, which is crazy though. If you're you know a sheriff in an area and you're trying to keep. He knows Supposedly, he, your job is to keep things safe, right? Well, I'm sure Billy was this wild man loose. I'm sure Billy was laying low at this time. He wasn't probably out stealing everybody's horses and shit at this time, right? The, his his Hispanic family was taking care of him here, keeping yeah. him keeping it low key. I think. Yeah. So Billy goes back to Paulita. He brings her some uh, jewelry. She had yeah. uh, actually since gotten with a new guy, right? While Billy was away, and she had kind of changed her mind. According to the book on Billy, she had read that he had killed these two deputies and escaped and and she used to she basically in the book she there's like dialogue between the two of them where she says like you know i used to believe you when you said that you only killed when you had to and now i see differently and all this stuff yeah and she had gotten she was um, engaged with this guy and all this stuff and billy was kind of broken up about it right. but i think she came back around right yeah because <laughs> it's yeah. billy the kid man it's billy the kid <laughs> What are you going to do? It's Billy the Kid, but <laughs> one person that never really agreed with their relationship was her brother. Paulita, yeah. Paulita's brother, Pete Maxwell, really yeah. thought that Billy was bad for her, and he probably wasn't wrong. I mean, if you, that's not somebody you choose your sister well, to he marry. Knew, he knew the lifespan of outlaws in the West. Like, it's not very long, man. Right. You really want your sister having kids, and you're going to exactly. be uncles to these kids that are going to probably be orphans. Yeah. Because grew he's going to end up in prison or dead. Yeah, yeah. grow up without a dad. And so um, he actually starts communicating to the to the uh, sheriff. Garrett starts telling him that I know where Billy is. He's here. He's with my sister. Yeah. And he's one of the bigger reasons why Billy in, meets his end is because of his uh, Billy's girlfriend's maybe, brother. Yeah. yeah, maybe the single reason, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure there were other reports. It sounds like um, Garrett had been getting multiple reports, but when you have one straight from the uh, the horse here. Yeah, well, living in the same place that Billy's living too, so right. you have access to the home and yeah, and that's where it goes down in the Maxwell's home, in Paulita's home, in Pete Maxwell's bedroom. Sheriff Garrett finally des- decides to respond to these uh, all of these reports that Billy the Kid is hanging out in Fort Sumner. He goes down there with a group of men and starts kind of like scoping out the area. One of his deputies is is getting real tight with the locals, pretending to just be there, pat, passing through, has nothing to do with Billy the Kid, drinking with him and all this stuff. And supposedly when they're getting ready to leave town because they're not finding Billy, uh, one of the deputies says, don't you think we should go check out Pete Maxwell's place? He's been saying that you know he's seen Billy. Right. And that's when Sheriff Garrett goes to Pete Maxwell's in the middle of the night and is sitting bedside talking to Pete. Pete was asleep. Goes into his bedroom, sits on his bed, and is talking to Pete, asking if he'd seen Billy. Billy comes walking into Pete Maxwell's house, Paulita's right, house. Right then, right through the door. It's dark in the house. Keep in mind, it's the middle of the night. He's in the doorway. The light from the living room is is showing. So yeah. he can see a silhouette. He can see a silhouette. Yeah, he sees uh, two men. Sitting Sheriff on the bed. Garrett. Yeah. yeah, they both can really. They don't really know who they're looking at. Yeah. Um, Garrett's looking at a silhouette in the doorway with light in the background, yeah. wondering what he's looking at. So tense. And Pete, knowing that it makes sense for Billy to be there around that time, recognizing his silhouette, tells Garrett that's him. That's Billy the Kid. And Garrett, with a single shot straight through the heart, kills Billy the Kid immediately. He's dead before he hits the floor. He's lying face down 
Well, you giant pool of blood. Yeah, but it's Billy who's asking. It's Billy who's asking Pete. Kianis, who is Kianis, who is it? Kianis, not knowing who was sitting on Pete's and bed. And then in there. Pete doesn't answer Billy. He answers Garrett, and he says, yep. "That's him." Mm-hmm. And that that spelled <sighs> the end chilling, of the bro. legendary Billy the Kid. It's a weird end, but I guess you couldn't really ask for anything else with such a crazy story and such a crazy life. I'm kind of glad. One of my was. favorite cases ever to study. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I love the Wild West. I love. Uh, he's probably my now. I mean, like got to be my favorite gunman now. My I've favorite. always known about Billy the Kid, but like not like this. Right. Like I really, res- I really do like the story. I, I appreciate the character. I appreciate the the legends. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty awesome. It's it's pretty epic. It is. We hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah. We wanted to bring this one to you because you're special Patreon listeners. That's right. And we hope we did it justice. This crazy story. There's still a lot of uh, talk now. There's a lot of uh, speculation that he didn't die that day. That he was still around. But that's. With anything, right? Any old stuff. Oh, There's always Tupac still alive and yeah, oh, <laughs> living you, on an island somewhere. Have you seen Have you seen the recent documentary by National Geographic? It's not necessarily about Billy. That's why I didn't bring it up earlier. But it's about a photo that a man bought in a thrift store in Southern California, mm-hmm. and it's uh, he bought it for two dollars at a thrift store, and it's a photo of the regulators really? on Tunstall's ranch. It's like um, one of the regulators was getting married. And, they, and it's uh, so it was the regulators before they were the regulars because they didn't become the regulars until Tunstall was murdered. Well, yeah, but you know, well, maybe they were on his ranch after was, he got murdered. Was Tunstall in it? Yeah. Oh, okay, so it would have been before they were actually called the regulators. Then. Right, right. But I'm saying it was basically. You know, I know what you're saying. Okay. I'm trying to be a smart ass. Here. I know, I know. I know this story, Michael. Don't <laughs> try and bullshit oh, me. I know all the facts. Right. Uh, but, anyways, Billy's in the picture. If you're looking at the picture, he's on, on the left side, but he's holding like a croquet hammer. They're like out there playing croquet or whatever. Oh. But they but National Geographic invested all this money and made this documentary on the process of uh, validating it. Oh, okay. And it turns out that it is it is a real photo and it's worth like five million dollars. Who had the photo? Some guy in Southern California bought it in a thrift store. Oh my god. For two dollars. What a find. Five million dollars what it's worth. The photo of just Billy is worth two and a half. Holy shit. Well, yeah, because there's only one left, right? Because yep, he yep. had a few copies, and he gave one to Paulita. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened to that one. Um, she would later, later downplay her romance with him and say that she was just friends with him and yada, yada. Yeah, but, whatever. But everybody that, that was around yeah. her says the opposite. Um, one last thing. On January 15th, or July 15th, 1881, um, Milliner Rudolph organized a coroner's jury and made, made out a verdict stating that the death of Billy the Kid was justifiable homicide in the afternoon, the kid's body was laid to rest next to his friends, Charlie Bowdry and Tom O'Folliard, that were killed basically because the police thought that they were Billy the Kid. Yeah. And so the, all three Billy kids laid to rest next <laughs> to each other. But those guys... They finally got the real one. Those guys were good guys to be laid beside because those guys never turned on him. Right. They were beside him all the way. I would like to think that he'd be laid, laid with Dick Brewer too, though. You know, yeah. Dick Brewer seemed like... Well, he, he was died, one of the original regulators. But he, he was, died years before it. Yeah, he did, but still... Yeah. Put them all together, man. Put the regulators all together. Yeah, I guess so. What a badass name, though. The regulators. Yeah, it is. Regulators. Cool we didn't mention the, uh, what was it, the equalizer, which is what Billy called his gun because he was a smaller guy. And yeah. Head to head in a fight, he would get his ass kicked every time, but <laughs> yeah. he had his regulator. That's right. That's right. Regulators, equalizers. Same man. Stories chopped full of the West. Shit. Yep. So, yeah, that's it. That's Billy the Kid. All right, guys. Welcome back to the present hope you guys enjoyed that blast from the patreon past like i said one of my favorites um i really need to listen to that episode again i listen to bits and pieces you know when i'm putting these back together but sometimes i 
I just, I don't know. I feel like it's very, it's very vain. It's very pointless. I'm like, why am I listening to myself? Oh, but it's mostly more, to be honest. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. But guys, let's get to some sponsors. Our very favorite sponsor. But don't tell the other sponsors. Oh my Gaia. Oh my Gaia, guys. If you're not using Oh My Gaia, Oh My Gaia, what are you doing? Oh My Gaia is an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. Guys, I feel like it's not even a secret anymore. Aluminum and paraben are bad things to be putting on your body. If you're still hanging on to your traditional deodorant right now, let's let's face it, it's for convenience, right? You're like, oh, it's just so damn convenient. I'm going to the store. I'm just, I get the same damn speed stick I always get. You know, Food Lion always has it. Or the Piggly Wiggly or whatever, something more universal. Those are grocery stores for you guys across the pond. But listen, guys, now we're making it easy. It can be delivered right to your door. And you can get 15% off your first order because you are a true crime, guys listener if you use the word creeper c-r-e-e-p-e-r 15 percent off what other problems can i solve oh you're afraid she won't have your scent she has a ton of scents vanilla cherry almond wood sandalwood lavender lemongrass egyptian musk coconut dreamsicle leather lumberjack honeysuckle fireside all kinds of stuff guys we have our very own scent true crime pine it's got our old school headshot or mugshot logo um as the sticker as the seal you know so you but anyways whatever scent you're into Oh My Gaia has something that you'll love. Promise. All right, and that's ohmygaia.com. O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com or at shop underscore Oh My Gaia on Instagram. Thank you. All right, guys, let's get to some reviews, some shout outs, some review shout outs. We got some more reviews. I'm sorry, I've been watching a lot of Rick and Morty lately. That new season is phenomenal so far. Um... I just love it. It's it's the most self-aware show I've ever watched, and I just find it hilarious. All right. So, back to the reviews. We'd like to thank The Boomlang for your two-star review. Oh, you gave me a two, give us a two-star review? Well, I don't thank you now. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I gave it two stars because the sound quality was real good. It seemed to be well-produced. Only gave it two stars because it seems the only research was Wikipedia. And they watched the documentary. Literally sounded like they were reading Wikipedia. I could have done that. Well, why didn't you, Boom Lang? You could be getting in on all these big, big podcasting bucks out here. Get with it, Boom Lang. All right. Uh, five stars by Yexena G. Thank you very much. I'm hooked. Uh, Angie222. Or it might be Ang with two Gs. Not sure. Thank you for the creeping on. Keep on creeping on. We sure will. Five stars. Uh, my Sard HMG. Sard, oh, Sard HMG. I'm sorry. Uh, you guys know how I read. My only Patreon podcast, five stars. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so you're probably not even listening to this because you're not a freeloader, but thank you, anyways. Uh, Jinko152, five star fire emojis. Thank you. Nehems, five stars fire emojis. You guys are freaking dope with those fire emojis. Uh, JLAX623, five stars. Thank you so much. Found this podcast series a few weeks ago, and I've been binge listening to them ever since in my administrative position at the KBI. (laughs) Okay, well, very nice. Thank you all for your reviews. 
they're very much appreciated, guys. It's the very best way you can help the show other than being a direct patron. Okay? So, and obviously, guys, you guys aren't into that because you're freeloaders. Okay? And that's fine. But you can leave a review. You're freeloaders. So other people can come and freeload with us. Freeloader party over here that the Patreon members are also invited to, but they probably don't show up. So we can talk about them if you want. If you guys are into that. I mean, to be honest, we talk about freeloaders on Patreon. Okay. Well, whatever. You guys let me know. All right. Peace out, guys. Keep creeping. Hey, on social media, True Crime Guys, on at Facebook, at Instagram, at Twitter, all those things, at True Crime Guys. It's very easy to find. Give us a follow on there, guys. Send us a message. We'll probably reply, you know? So there's that. We also got merch, redbubble.com slash true crime guys that site is very hard to maneuver so click on our true crime guys product when you search when it comes up and then go to our home page and then hit portfolio there's all our designs there also ken custom k-i-n-c-u-s-t-o-m.com kencustom.com and search true crime guys and we have all kinds of like galaxy gear and shit on there remember when we were doing that stuff there's all kinds of designs on there so guys yeah there's stickers you can get stickers you can get hoodies you can get t-shirts we never advertise this stuff but it's been out there for years so enjoy if that's what you're into guys as always keep creeping and we'll see you next week with a new freebie true crime guys in the desert we like a mirage it's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage now we ain't mad at you sit down let us talk at you I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. True crime guys in the desert. We like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming.